Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 249 of the More Than Just Code podcast. My name is Tim Mitchell and I am in Toronto, Ontario, and I'm joined once again by Mark Rubin down in San Jose, California. Hello. And we also have Jaime Lopez Jr. in Seattle, Washington. How's it going? Alrighty. So yeah, we're what, uh, four or five sleeps until uh, WWDC? Not too long from now, mm. right? It's coming yeah, up soon. Already thinking about what I'm packing for the for the week, and yeah, I'll bring bring some t-shirts and some pins. And, and stickers, you said stickers arrived today, Mark, right? Stickers arrived yesterday, actually. Have you looked at them? Yeah. Like they're the small size. They're right? the little the ones. Yeah. 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 Alrighty. Um, okay. So, hey, Jaime, do you have any Ask MTJC? We do. And it looks like it's uh, Mark Pavlidis chatting with you. Oh, right. Yes. Yeah. I guess uh, he says that um, uh, when I was uh, tweeting about him um, last week, because I got the video from, from our Taco group about his, he was discussing um, subscriptions. I think it was two weeks ago we talked about uh, his talk there about subscriptions and switching from subscription, switching into a subscription style app um, and the benefits that he's seen through it. Um, but his uh, his Twitter handle is uh, MHP and I think he says that autocorrect made it MPH, but I have a feeling it was my typing. Probably I probably put in MPH on, you know, not realizing that it's MHP. So he kindly retweeted the uh, the link with the correct uh, handle, and uh, yeah, that was what that's all about. And I said never late, never too late to follow up. There you go. So if you hadn't, if you were interested in uh, watching that video and you hadn't seen it, um, it's now posted and it's linked into this uh, linked into our show notes on that episode, episode two forty seven. So this is an article that uh, um, uh, I, I, with caution talking about this one, but uh, it's uh, from a gentleman talking about, and the the title is how Apple continuously screws with developers and doesn't follow. 
follow its own rules. And he's complaining about the, um, the fact that, you know, they have rules for... Oh, and the medium site is down. Hmm. I'll come back to that one. All right, Jaime, do you have something? It really only makes sense if we've talked about yours, so let's move on to the next one. <laughs> oh, the dipping so, one? Oh, sorry, I thought you were talking about the uh, the sensitive... What did I write here? Oh, related. Well, let's move ahead to ordered collection that, dipping, that, which is... That is value on its own, right? The fact that Apple put that out, don't you think? Well, okay, let's... let's I mean, we can talk about the, the, the link without the medium one here. So, um, the link... The, I'm not going to get into the, the whole bit about, uh, you know, bashing Apple for the sake of bashing Apple. I mean, that, we've, we've heard that many, many times before, but he talks, he's talking about how, you know, it's difficult to get your, your, uh, your communicate with Apple. But I mean, by the same token, I think that's, that's true for any of us that when we, when we have an issue, when we get a rejection, you have to go in and, and respond to the rejection. You go to the resolution center and respond to it. And I know that sometimes it's faster just to re- reissue a new build. I see that on Twitter all the time than, than wait for an answer from Apple because obviously they're they're dealing with a hundred thousand submissions a week right so obviously there's a, there's got to be some sort of queuing process um so that's his, his sort of first thing but but when he actually did get around to finding out he he did follow up with the second part of the the post i don't know if you read the whole thing but he did talk about how his app did eventually get um reviewed and or did get approved but he but uh, he did find out what the actual problem with it was and he resolved that um so i guess which takes us to jaime's post here about uh, principles and practices yeah this is an interesting site like there's a lot of interesting comp- uh, sorry information on here but uh, the timing of it being released is kind of kind of curious it's uh sort of speaks a bit to a bit of uh, sensitivity around uh antitrust and monopoly uh efforts that are going on that apple is involved with uh from a legal perspective but even with that aside there's some interesting information here um like how many weekly app reviews are there apple says there's about a hundred thousand and most are reviewed within 24 hours that's that's pretty damn cool like that's that's a lot and non-trivial number. Apparently 60% are approved and uh, the 40% remaining are rejected for the most common reason being minor bugs followed by privacy concerns, which I feel is an interesting statement because I'd have to wager that privacy concerns is way, way down on number two if there is that's in fact number two. I'd guess it'd be right. more, you know, bugs of some sort that causes rejections. Uh, there's also stats about uh, 84% of apps are free and developers pay nothing to Apple. Now the, the Twitterverse is blowing up over this statement because people like well you know you pay the 99 dollar fee to distribute the app store and that's true and that's fair yeah but 99 dollars a year in terms of how much you get out of an app like you know popular i don't think it's a small it's a small price to pay it could like you said i think we talked about this on the show before if it was like you're writing for sony back in the day you'd have to spend ten thousand twenty thousand dollars to be a developer right oh yeah if you wanted a, a, a dev kit for like a playstation or a nintendo or something yeah and i, I think people are just nitpicking the the title here i think the context makes it clear when they talk about like, oh, here's how apps tend to break down. Free, free with advertising, free with physical goods and services, free with in-app purchase, paid, free with subscription, reader, and cross-platform. And then they give some, you know, top examples from there. Like, right. Surprise, surprise, free with physical goods and services includes things like Airbnb and Amazon, whereas free with in-app purchase would include things like we've talked about, like Candy Crush Saga and Clash of Clans, that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then the, the the part that really, I think, speaks to the antitrust concerns, you know, that they've had with Spotify and probably a few others that have come up recently in the news are the sections called uh, competing apps on the app store. Like here's an iOS app, calendar or mail or maps. And here are all these other apps that compete with us in the app store. Um, kind of an interesting selection here for some of these companies, big and small. But yeah, it, it's a really nice 
Aussie website? I'm actually really surprised at that 40% rejection rate personally. Uh, it, I mean, I guess it just goes to show that there's a lot of people out there who are just not paying attention to the rules or or maybe intentionally trying to break the rules or something like that. But in, in my own experience, I mean, I, you know, I've had rejections, but it's usually for, you know, silly little things that are easily corrected. So my, my approval rate is, I mean, like 95%, I think. I mean, it's 40% to me seems really high rejection rate is how does that line up with your experiences you guys yeah i mean when we do get rejected it was usually usually it's in the metadata before it even gets to a rejection right um other times we when we've actually been with an official rejection like we had one time we were running a contest that was connected to our app and you know apple has a very uh strong rule about you have to make sure make sure make it very clear to people that apple is not involved in the contest and you know therefore you know from from a legal legal point of view Mm-hmm. Um, other times it's been a metadata thing. Like if you like, if, I'll use Oprah as an example. If you were to if you were to put Oprah in as a keyword, it's going to get rejected because you don't have the copyright to use the word Oprah in your app. Mm-hmm. Even though if you think about it, it might give you a lot of a lot of uh, traction. You know the what do you what do you call it? clickbaity uh, mm-hmm. when we have that kind of stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and um, I, I do want to bring up a couple of things. One is one is that we, we can maybe touch on this, and that's the, the idea that there's a thirty percent tax, which I, I kind of sort of take. I agree with, but I take objection to that title. But uh, I, I wanted to point out that we talked about Phil Shoemaker um, last year when he was at, I think he spoke at uh, one of the conferences I went to, I think it might have been RW DevCon, and uh, he he was an Apple, he was the original Apple um, person who ran the, the App Store. Like, you know, he was sort of designated by, you know, blessed by uh, Steve Jobs to run the, the App Store when it first came out. And he talked a lot about the kind of things, the kind of tricks in, that developers do uh, to try and get things approved, you know, with the the IPs and the looking for Cupertino and the string to try and hide, you know, what they're doing behind Apple. But he's been interviewed again, um, and there was a couple of interviews that show up this week. Um, one on uh, App Insider, another one on 9105 Mac, which I'll put a link in the show notes for that one here. And he talks about some of the things that, that reasons why people get rejected. Um, and in the article that we were just talking about, the one from Medium, the issue that they had was, was something to do with the Facebook login. And, uh, you know, obviously Apple's very sensitive about privacy issues these days, and I and there was something about the way that the Facebook login was implemented or just haphazardly implemented this, which is why he, the, the author got rejected or his team got rejected. But yeah, I think that, you know, um, I think I've only been rejected a couple of times now for, for actual infringements, but the rest of the time it's been like, you know, your bit code isn't right or you're, you know, you forgot the advertising statement in your app or that kind of stuff, right? Yeah, I have definitely been rejected more often than I would like considering that usually on appeal or, or re-review it's like, oh, okay, it passes through. So it wasn't like there was something actually wrong. Um, but even including those, it's nowhere near 40% to Mark's point. Like, I, I'd find a new job, <laughs> a <laughs> new line 40%. of work. It's not, they're not saying 40%, 40% of the time your app will get rejected. They're saying 40% of the 100,000 are rejected, right? Yeah, but like, like I, think, I think that's where Mark was going with his of like, oh, there's people for reasons, you know, whether it's nefarious or, or competence problems or something, having like way, way ridiculously high rejection rates versus my experience, which is, it, it must be a success rate of like 90%. It must be like less than 10% of the time that it gets into a rejection for, yeah, exactly. for my yeah. career. Like <laughs> it causes so much stress when it does happen that I'd, I would find a new line of work if it was 40%. <laughs> well, I'd have to ask too, though, do you read the upgraded HIG every time it's updated or do you read the terms and conditions or you just hit the okay 
button and carry on. You know, most of us don't check the, the, the lines. I mean, some, again, and one of the services we provide on the show, we try to anyway, is when we see these new rules going into the app, into the app submission, like there'll be some come, um, you know, in a couple of weeks now from now when they, when they start announcing all the new stuff that's going to come out, the new shiny, you know, APIs and all that kind of stuff and frameworks and things, they will, they will change the rules, right? And, you know, we'll go through and we'll probably report on those a week or two after, after, um, after they come to light, right? You know, change the diffs in the release notes and that kind of stuff, right? Oh, yeah. And, and you know, in, in all fairness, I, I don't, like, pour through the HIG every time it comes out. But the rejections don't come out for those reasons. Like, I'd be ecstatic if it was like, oh, yeah, you know, look, this new HIG item that, that you've run across. No, it'll be silly things like, oh, um, couldn't log in. Like, what? What do you mean? Right. Like, yeah. Bro, we gave you a special login. We can tell if you logged in or not. <laughs> <laughs> hey, try it again. Oh, yeah, mysteriously it happens this time. So, oh, okay, good. It's funny because even the author of the article says in his article that that they don't normally check the login stuff. And and Mark and I both have separately have had have mentioned before that we've we've created logins too. And and you know we we create these accounts. And you know if you're doing a server side thing, you can see whether somebody's using that account or not. And our apps have been approved without them even trying to log in. So yeah, more often than not. Yeah, I've had an, an app rejected. Um, and as far as I can tell, given what they said, like oh, uh, using uh, private what, what did it say? Using private private frameworks frameworks or including code that allows you to change you know the app post app review or like dude we checked everything we've looked at our third party stuff just just to make sure nothing had changed under the covers right we were comparing binaries and stuff and said no we, we don't think that's the case can, can you elaborate because m- maybe we have named something you know kind of close to what your actual name is so apologies for that but it sure would be nice if we knew so we could change it ourselves yeah we got nailed on a, on a, a private frameworks thing because apple had introduced a new framework that it's just a coincidental, you know, naming. We had a we had a method in our or a class or something in our app that it just now the, the same it, name as something else. Yeah, it was like yeah. I, I think it was around iOS eight or maybe iOS nine. You know, we got directed rejected. rejected. Mm-hmm. But um, one of the other things that I've noticed too is that now that they have this new, now that you're pushing the app up through Xcode and it's verifying it on the fly, um, a lot of our rejections that I've a lot of my personal rejections have been things like when Apple changes that they want a new the new the new camera um, disclosure statements. You know, or the new microphone stuff, or whatever. There's, those have been pretty common in the last couple of years. Those are, you know, you get rejected by those, and occasionally, I've, some of the ones I see uh, lately is they'll let it go through, but it like in, through the verification process, but it'll tell you, send me an email five minutes later saying, oh, by the way, you know, you're missing this push notification entitlement or something to that effect. You know, um, I get those. They're sort of not hard rejections, but they're kind of like you know stern warnings, if you will, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I've I've gotten metadata rejections too, where just something wasn't set right somehow something got missed or or whatever and and those are easy to fix because you don't have to upload a new build i've only once ever in my entire how many years of doing this uh had to change code because of a rejection only once really once ever yep yep that's a good question i don't i don't think so either i think Uh, i'd really have to struggle and think about like oh yeah they're clearly right we did this um incorrect thing uh, within the app itself code wise would be something like oh uh turns out we didn't like the the frame that you put for this particular size class of app store photo really 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 picky about that now but they were not before Hmm, yeah, uh, we've, I think we got rejected for a video once that we put in. I can't remember why the re- what the reason was for getting rejected, but we had to just take the video out. You know, when, you know how they have the App Store videos. Mm-hmm. It was something about our video that Apple rejected the app because of, and so we just removed the video. Yeah, and that's a that would be a metadata rejection, which means I get well, no, it was it was like a reviewer said no. It was like when the when the videos first came out, right? So, right, right. Yeah. Did you have to upload a new build for that? 
Uh, I can't right? remember. I think we might have. I think you do have to. You have to increment the build number. I think when you get a rejection, anyway, right? No, not for a metadata oh. rejection. Oh really? Yeah. Okay. Oh, on the oh, yeah, on the on like iTunes. I, I still call it iTunes Connect. I don't know what they call it now. I still call it iTunes Connect too. <laughs> yeah. Bruins I think it's little, app, app Store Connect. It is App Store Connect. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Now there's Podcast Connect too. They they've, they've changed that out as well. So, yeah. yeah. Bruins just lost in overtime. By the way, huh? Bruins just lost in overtime. No. Oh, that's yeah. a shame. Yeah. Well, there'll be another game coming up soon. There'll be um, potentially uh, five more games, right? So what's the series at? It's one-to-one one now. One-to-one. One. Okay, well, it's the beginning. Yeah. Now it's best out of five again. There we go. All righty. Um, so, Jaime, I mean, do we have... Uh, what's your next story here? This is follow-up on the collection diffing in Swift 5.1 that we talked about last week. This is a post by Patrick Minalto, Montalto, sorry, at ThoughtBot, and it gives a really concrete example. We mentioned, that, oh, it'd be really great to use this for batch updates of your table views or your collection views, and it gives a really concrete example how you can do that, including the magic uh, if pound available, iOS 9999 shall always return true as an availability mm. check for future iOS versions that have not yet been released. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Interesting. Kind of a pro tip within the pro tip there. Yeah, cool. So what's the gist of the diffing uh, for people who are driving? I mean, yeah, so you know how you would have to do your own figuring out what changed, right? I have, let's say, uh, my data source has a collection of items that we're rendering on the screen and let's say like a table view in this example and you have somebody pull to refresh new data comes from your network request and you're having to figure out, oh, what are the deletions and what are the insertions for the table views perform batch updates method? And the new collection diffing stuff makes that super easy, like barely an inconvenience. Like it's very easy to loop through the uh, changes and append the deletions into one collection and append the insertions into another collection and then call table view dot perform batch updates, first the deletions and then second with the insertions. Cool. Yeah, this is really nice. It, it basically means you really should never have to call reload data again. The, right. That's, the, that's the main reason people thing. would do that was because they're a little lazy because it was a pain to do this kind of stuff when mm-hmm. you have to do it manually. But uh, with this, it makes it real simple. I will point out, though, that uh, if you use core data and an NS fetched results controller with the delegate methods, it, do, it does this automatically and has been doing this doing it mm-hmm. for years. I mean, so ever since core data was introduced on iOS with the fetch results controller. But right. this this is a, a good uh, solution if you're not using core data. All right. Well, I think uh, people have heard my my WWC success stories. Let's hear Jaime's sob story. Yeah, this is more follow-up from me mentioning this story. And I got some of the details wrong because it has been a long time. It was 2013, according to the URL slug. And we'll have it in the show notes for those of you driving at home. But the, the TLDR is this is what happened to me when I tried pre-lottery, for, for those of you who are, who are newer to iOS and WWDC. This was a Apple said at this specific day, at this specific time, we will open up ticket sales. And Lord Almighty, the, the thundering herd thing happened. And I found the information I could not remember off the top of my head that I was finally able to log in, but it was not my account. It was somebody like Chris Philbin. Mm-hmm. And when I tried logging out to re- and logging in again to fix the problem, tickets were already sold out. They sold out in two minutes that year. Yeah, and it was 70, 70 seconds, actually. It was less than two minutes. Yeah. Because I, yeah. I did manage to get a ticket. I think Mark, you, I think we were talking to Mark about it at the time, and I don't think you, you didn't get the page to load, right? That year? Wasn't that the year that 
I didn't even I hadn't even woken up by the time that it happened. No, that was, was the year before. Oh, was the year, the year before? before it was like yeah, it was like uh, eight o'clock in the morning, which would have been five o'clock for you. Right. Because I did message you, but you didn't hear back from you from like an hour, and it was already sold out by then. Yeah. But this was the year. This is the year when the shopping cart bounced, right? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. That's so Jerry, right. Yeah, I think I. Couldn't yeah, Jerry and I were both sitting page. in the kitchen at one o'clock. One o'clock our time, they went on sale, so we'd been at eleven o'clock your time, I guess, or whatever. No, one o'clock is ten a.m. Your time. Um, yeah, and and they all went on sale, and I ended up like, and we even logged in before, so we figured we'd log into the store, make sure, or log into the account, make sure we're logged in. I guess Apple must have just cleared all the logins <laughs> to make it fair, because uh, you know I got the ticket in my shopping cart, and then I went to to buy it, and it said I had to log in again. So I logged in, and then it said something wrong with your login, and the ticket was still in my shopping cart, and so I logged in again. And the second time I logged in, the ticket disappeared, right? And then, then I was despondent and like like. Jaime was like, oh, I'm not going to be able to go this year, blah, 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 blah. But five o'clock in the afternoon, um, our time, Apple called me back and said, we see that there's a shopping, uh, you had an item in your cart. Do you still want to buy the ticket? And then they just sent me a link and I could, I could finish the sale, right? So yeah, that was that was a tough year. But I think that, you know, it's kind of one of these things like, like how do you plan for 160 million developers to try and buy, you know, 5,000 tickets at one time? Like, like do you, do you like, can you really estimate this, the scale of that, right? And also, Apple must have distributed servers across, you know, North America and Europe to be able to handle this kind of a sale event, right? Like they do with the watches and the phones and all that kind of stuff every every year. Like, you know, last year, or not this year, but the year before when the iPhone ten came out, um, don't you remember we were like, you know, I, I went to Rogers, I think Jaime went to Verizon and a bunch of other people were, you know, bashing the app, other people were hitting the website and it was all different different results in terms of what people could actually get, right? But even when Apple has built up the infrastructure, they still have trouble with it. Yeah, yeah I don't think that, you know, in, in fairness to Apple that anybody has solved this level of scale. Um I know we've talked about the I can't remember if it was the NES Classic or the SNES Classic, whichever one of those it was that went on sale on oh, yeah, Amazon yeah, right. and on Walmart. They also fell before the mighty beast called Scale, and um, and those are companies that know how to do that stuff for sure, right? Like we can ding Apple all we want, and I think rightfully so about not getting scale uh, to that level. But but even Amazon and Walmart couldn't handle it. So I I, I don't think this is a solved problem yet in our field. No, no. Sorry, but, actually, not 160 million. Is it 160 million developers or is it? 160,000. I can't remember. There's a lot of developers. 160 million sounds kind of high, doesn't it? Yeah, I think it's... Hmm. But 160,000 sounds kind of low. Yeah, I think we've ta- I think we've talked... Well, this, I was talking about 2013, 2014, right? So it was a lower number back then, but it was still pretty high considering, you know, that everybody around... The, it was before the lottery. I mean, the lottery kind of, like, eliminates a lot of that scale issue because now they can just pilot, queue up the, the number of... And I'd love to be on the inside of Apple. To, and, we, of course, we're never going to get this information, but how many people actually do enter the lottery? Yeah, you know? and I wonder if those numbers have come down recently. Yeah, I think I think a lot less people, a lot, a lot of people just decide, okay, I'm not gonna like they don't bother because it, it's almost it is gambling, you know. At the end of the day, right? You know, you're enter, you're entering your name into a hat, pretty much, you know. Right. You know, even though, yeah, you know, we've we've discussed whether Apple games the the system or not. You know, I, I've seen the results of of like I, I, well, I was telling one of the one of the lady developers that uh, is coming to WWC with me um, that you know I remember you know when I first went to 
WWDC, you know, 2010, 2011, 2012, there was no lineup at the women's bathroom, right? Um, but there was always a huge lineup at the men's bathroom, which is kind of opposite to what women normally experience. Like normally at concerts and things like that or sporting, well, sporting events is a different story too, but there's always a lineup at the women's washroom. It's sort of a given thing, right? Um, but it, the first year of the lottery was 2014. And w- actually 2013, they started the diversity thing, right? But 2014 was the first year of the lottery and there were lineups at the women's washroom. That to me indicated that there all of a sudden the tide had tur- turned in terms of how people were getting into into uh, WWC. And like Tim Tim Cook or, or Steve Jobs would say at the beginning of the keynote that this year we have, you know, 20 or you know, 20% new people or it, would been, it was a really low number. And then it ended up being like 60% new people once the lottery started. So it wasn't like the same old guard coming back every year as we do to, to WWDC, right? I also wonder if we're sort of past peak iPhone, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I wonder too. Because like, uh, times have definitely changed, right? There, were a, a few years back, you know, everyone was doing an iPhone app and everyone wanted to be an iPhone developer. And it's it's not really like that anymore, I don't think. Yeah, the bloom is off the rose in that sense. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I, I kind of get that sense. And I'm, I'm, I'm eager to go to, I'm eager to see what happens, you know, because every, when I first started out in develop, in, in first started going to WWC, you know, it was, it was very confusing my first year. Like, you know, like I said, it was a lot of information. It was information overload. Um, it, it, stuff was being presented to me and I wasn't really grokking m- most of it. And then in 2011 and 2012, 2013, when I was more familiar with the process and developing and it had, you know, had apps featured and I had, you know, you know, tens of thousands of downloads already, um, you know, and more familiar with Objective-C and, and the frameworks and stuff like that, that, you know, it was kind of a magical place. I mean, where else do you go that you meet 5,000 other people that are that are doing the same kind of thing that you're doing, right? And you, like you said, they were they were all eager to be there and happy to be there and that kind of stuff. And I, I kind of wonder, I'm, I'm interested to see now that I've, it's been five years since I've been to WWC. You know, I don't know that the new venue makes that much of a difference, but I'll see when I'm there. Um, I mean, I'm interested to see what, what the environment, the climate's like, right? So, like, you weren't blown away last year, Mark, right? I wasn't blown away. Uh, I, I kind of think part of it, part of, there's many reasons, but part of it is is back five, six years ago when it was all iOS. I mean, it wasn't all iOS, but the, the, it was much more emphasis on iOS. There's no TV, no watch. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. It's it's The technical content is a little bit more diluted now in terms of what you might be particularly interested in. Uh, so, as you said, there's there's now a couple of watch OS talks, a couple of TV OS talks, uh, whereas before like there would have been... talks, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. well, there are always Safari talks, and there are always some Mac OS talks, but but a good, you know, more than 50% of it back then was I was real iOS stuff, and iOS was still being heavily developed by Apple, and and now it kind of feels like, you know, uh, I mean, they're still developing iOS, of course, obviously, but, but it's a little bit more incremental than it used to be, and there's more emphasis on things like Core ML and, and ARKit and stuff like that, which is awesome stuff, but but it's not sort of the core iOS stuff. So so there's there's more topics, uh, but because there's so many more topics, then there's less depth for any one particular topic that you might be interested in. And if you're you know if you're particularly interested in you know what's new in iOS and animations and and UI kit and all that kind of stuff, then there's there's less of that. 
So, so, yeah. so I do wonder if, if fewer people are going because, you know, that, I mean, the, the technical content is, is a little bit diluted and it's all available on in the videos now. So it used to not be well, available true, on videos. True, so yeah, you yeah. kind of have to go. Uh, but now it's, you know, it's a whole lot cheaper to just watch the videos. That's true. I mean, that, that's a, that's a really interesting point. I was thinking about that while you were telling that because a buddy of mine used to be one of the people behind producing those videos and they would be madly working on those things overnight, right? Mm-hmm. Um, it used to be that it would be two or three days before you saw a video come out of the session, right? And they would work on the big key sessions first and, you know, it wouldn't be till like a full week after the, the show was over that you would actually get all the content, right? And you may not get all of it. They would only record like Presidio and, and Mission maybe, right? But the big rooms, right? But um, uh, now, yeah, like you said, like now you're watching it live, right? <laughs> you know, you're watching it unedited pretty much, right? Like you're, 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 there's probably, I think last year was three or four sessions that were live at a time, right? You know, I don't know if you were guys not watching it during the during the live show last year? Well, I wasn't because I was actually at the show. Oh, right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah, <laughs> I was I was here, you know, flipping between different sessions. That's why I was able to pick and choose what I wanted to see. And it, it was actually tough to keep up even sitting at home last year, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's kind of like like being there was a, was a bit different, right? So yeah, look, you know, we'll, we'll see when I get there and we'll see what, what difference there is. And of course, I'll report on it. So mm-hmm. well, there you go. So any more to your sob story there, honey? Yeah, we'll have the link in the show notes, but it, <laughs> I will point out like things are way better now as we've described because in this goes back one year prior that says mm-hmm. you know in 2012 i was incredibly lucky that my co-worker had insomnia and was up at the like 5 30 ish in the morning pacific right, right. to get a ticket and i gave him crap for this is like dude you got a ticket and then you told me like i yeah. appreciate on the one hand that you told me on the other hand i'm like dude you waited until you had a ticket why did you tell me at the same time i was going to be behind you anyways right but you know people do what they got to do in a in a limited environment right this is this is the premise of shows like the walking dead um yeah and also, I didn't even remember this fact until I read this again, that in 2013, to prepare again for such an eventuality and not be reliant on, you know, randomly being notified by an insomniac co-worker, I started getting up at 5.30 in the morning every day for a month around the time that I suspected the WWDC tickets would go on sale in 2013. This is prior to them announcing that it was going to be a specific day and time. Yeah. People who know me know there's no way I'm getting up at 5.30 in the morning every day for a month. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, yeah, no, I'm not that- a morning person. <laughs> You're right. That's where that was. I mean, we were actually the year before it was like it was sometime in the afternoon they went on sale because I remember we were actually being vi- we were actually being filmed to be featured on the, the, the one of our channels here, CTV News, about our, our one of our bridal app, or the um, royal wedding app. When, you know, so I'm sitting at a, at, a, at, a, at a workstation pertaining to work, but I'm actually buying my WWDC ticket because it got announced like two in the afternoon or something ridiculous like that. Right. So anyway, um, let's so, move on. So to Jim, the next are, story. are you planning to line up like the night before this time? Uh, well, you know, you got to remember, I got a three-hour advantage on all those people in on the on left coast, right? So, you know, if I go over at six o'clock in the morning, right, that's really nine o'clock in the morning for me, right? Yeah. <laughs> don't tell them though. Well, I, I mean, I, I don't know, but I kind of suspect that you're gonna just stand around for a long time and then be underwhelmed at what. It there's got more. Here. There's more than just standing in line to get a seat in, in WWC. It's it's a networking opportunity. You get to meet a lot of people. You get to talk to people from around the. I mean, 
mean, maybe you don't, but I do. I talk to people about where they're from and what do they work on and what are they working on and, oh, what, you know, okay. yeah. tell them stuff that I know about what's going to happen when they when they open the doors and where to get your badge. And, you know, it's I, I find uh, I've I've found it a lot of a lot of fun to actually hang out with the developers in the line. Oh, well, OK. In that case, you know, yeah. So, and, and you get free. I still use one of my battery chargers I got in the line and there's burritos and coffee. And, you know, and it's funny that the couple of times that I have lined up, you know, I've met like maybe 10, five or 10 people. And then the five or 10 of us hang out for the week. Right. You know, so if you're, if you go to WWC by yourself, it's a great way to like make a small little, little clique and you kind of keep up with each other over, over the time. Right. So, yeah. Okay. You know, so yeah. Um, definitely. If you're thinking about going to WWC, I do recommend lining up in spite of uh, Mark's question. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Jaime, what's, uh, what's our next story? This is just a quick follow up on the fact that, uh, Apple pay and apparently other NFC based tap to pay systems, including Google pay and Fitbit Fit pay. It's not in this article. I saw it somewhere else as well. Uh, going to be available in New York city's MTA transit starting May 31st. So by the time this episode goes out, and if you're in New York, go ahead and go try that out. Let us know. Hashtag ask MTJC. I thought we had mentioned this. Uh, I thought New York was mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we talked about this NFC stuff. That's why it's follow up. Oh, okay. It was talked about and now it has oh, an actual okay. date. <laughs> oh, oh, it didn't have an actual date. Okay. I gotcha. Okay. 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 Gotcha. All right. And Mark, you have a yawn item here. This should be under WTFU, I think, right? Uh, Just another, I suppose another so. It's, yeah. The reason I said it's yawn is it's yet another password breach. Uh, this time it's flipboard. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, the details sort of aren't important at this point. It's, and just the, you know, just the reminder, change your passwords. <laughs> yeah. But, yeah. But a lot of us have yeah. flipboard accounts if we were, had the iPads back in the day. Right. So that's bad. Yeah. Wasn't that one of the, the guy who taught at Stanford was one of the guys who formed flipboard ex Apple employee, hmm. Colin something, I think hmm. I've forgotten his name now. Apparently not a security so, expert though. Huh? Apparently not a security expert. At I guess not. I guess not. So how I many you got, you do have something under the WTFU section. Yeah, it is the WWCT 2019. That is the unofficial worldwide Costco tour 2019, where, as it says here on the tin, you can join a group of fellow Apple developers at Costco for an afternoon of ridiculously large bulk products, unbelievably cheap hot dog deals, and so on and so forth on Sunday at 4 p.m. at Costco. Yeah, which is completely sold out, by the way. Yeah. Oh, oh, well, I guess that makes it follow up <laughs> to itself. It was not sold out at the time that I put this in the show notes. So yeah, I apologize. But I, when I unless they've it, you... closed it down specifically for this event, I would say you could probably just show up. I do have a YouTube Costco card. So yeah, I guess I could walk in, right? Yeah, you could yeah. also enjoy the free samples. You don't samples. have to go on the tour. You can just go to Costco. <laughs> <laughs> just look for all the people wearing the dub dub shirts and I'm sure it's the right people. Yeah, look. So if you're at Costco on Sunday, look for some guy in an MTJC t-shirt. Yeah, I have better places to be than that. I'll go and get my badge on Sunday for sure. Hmm. All right. Um, main topics. So, honey, what do you got? This first one was announced uh, a few days ago, I think. I forget exactly when. It's that uh, GitHub has announced GitHub sponsors, as they say, a new way to contribute to open source. Uh, there is a wait list for it, so you can't just say, hey, like, I've got a GitHub repo. Please give me money. I think they're starting out with um, sort of larger projects, uh, larger more well-known um, contributors at the moment. Um, and hopefully they'll expand that out to sort of the, the normal everyday folks. But the idea here is to make it really easy for people to support very similar to the way that 
our Patreon supporters and people who buy t-shirts and stuff from us help support this podcast. Same idea, but supporting uh, people who work on open source technologies. So giving a little bit back to the community of the community. So is it meant to be like microfinancing like Patreon is, or is it meant to be you give a large chunk of money? I think it's more uh, micro. So they've this blog post shows how you can see like who you're sponsoring and quick shortcuts to make it really super easy to um, to sponsor somebody. Like he was like, oh, wow, I can't believe so-and-so had this really good comment or really good contribution in a pull request. Sure mm-hmm. would like to send a few bucks their way. And apparently they'll also have a way for uh, project maintainers to include um, a special sponsors section, which include other things besides GitHub's solution, like Patreon and Open Collective and other assorted ways that you can pay for stuff. Cool. This is pretty right. cool. And it, and it looks like the best part, I think, is that GitHub is not taking a cut. There are no fees. So whatever you sponsor, 100% goes to the person you're sponsoring. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. They're covering the payment processing fees for the first 12 months of the program to celebrate this launch. Mm-hmm. Oh, I see. So um, might be yeah. So maybe after that, they'll change it. We'll see. Mm-hmm. All right. Yeah. This next piece is kind of follow up. But uh, uh, so a friend of mine, I was just speaking with her on or chatting with her on, on uh, before the show. Um, Namrata, I can't say her last name. So just Namrata Codes is her uh, handle on Twitter. She is um, originally from India. She lived here, lived here for a while in Toronto, but she was part of the, still is part of the Ray Wenderlich team. And she's now working in the Valley and uh, she's, you know, moving up in the world out there. But um, she posted an article here about, uh, that she'd read about, uh, and, and we've talked about this a, a bit before in terms of like um, how you, what options you get when you get hired. But she's talking about, uh, or this article is talking about some candidate advice about joining the startup world um, when you get in there. And um, uh, a TLDR po- a Twitter post that she's put here, and basically the gist of it is, is that um, if you're young and you're just starting out and you're eager to join and startup uh, uh, environment looks good, uh, happy to do that, go ahead and do that. But if you're an older seasoned developer, you're not going to make ch- large money joining a startup because unless you're a founder uh, or an investor, because um, they tend to they tend to prefer, according to her uh, tweets here, younger developers, uh, seasoned people aren't going to make great monies, and uh, you know all the all the the money that comes out of uh, startups when they if they do you know cash in or whatever you call it if they make make it big um, it'll mostly go uh, you're going to get paid less if you're if you're a seasoned developer and you're probably not going to get as much of a, a return on it right yeah I, I found it to be a, a pretty interesting article and and the gist was was dead on uh, especially talking about the risks involved and the and and the uh, the chances of something that looks very promising when it first starts out uh, over time because of dilution and because of multiple rounds uh, yeah that that large equity stake gets shrinks and shrinks and shrinks and becomes a, a smaller piece of the pie um, and unless the, the company is growing faster than the stock is diluting then you end up with less money uh, and there's also the, the the strong possibility that you know if the if the company is well either the company goes under or if the company is acquired for not a large multiple of of what the investors put in then the investors will get paid out and pretty much nobody else will get paid out uh, but I, I also think it's not the reality is not as negative as the article makes out to be. You just have to go into it understanding these these things. 
Yeah, and, your eyes and, open. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree about the seasoned versus young person thing. I don't know where she's getting that from because um, I didn't get that from the article, and I don't think from what I've seen, I haven't seen that in reality here in the valley. Uh, so okay. um, I don't know, but yeah, I mean, there's 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 a lot of risk uh, involved in startups. Uh, from my experience and from talking to lots of other people in the valley, uh, these uh, you know talk they're talking about fifty percent. You take a fifty percent salary cut to join a, a startup. It used to be that way, but is not so much that way anymore. Uh, basically, mm-hmm. from what I've seen, for the most part, uh, the salaries might be a little bit lower, but not drastically lower. Uh, but what you are giving up is uh, a lot of times there won't be a bonus uh, and you get equity in a pre-IPO company versus equity in a in a public company, uh, which means that the equity at the public company has value from day one, whereas the equity in the, in the pre-IPO company has zero value from day one and may never have value. So that's where you're giving it up. It's not so much the salary. It's it's in the it's in the act in the equity. Yeah. If you I think if you're looking at the total compensation, the, the reality of yes. getting something in that sense is, is not good. Yeah. What I liked about the article too is, uh, I don't know if you saw this, but uh, for me, the visualization dilution chart that they have here, where they yeah, I've heard I've heard people talk about A round and B round and C round, and and uh, it, it clearly has a nice color graphic here, which shows you know what percentage of the founding team and putting in terms of putting money into the thing and what the angel investors are putting in, and then when you get to you know the A round and where where the the breakdown goes into the A round funding, you know, it's like a quarter of the monies. And then when you get into B round and then C round funding, by the time you, you see that the, the amount of money that's available to pay out to, you know, people get smaller and smaller as time goes by, right? Right. And, and the assumption involved. for that is that if things are going well, then the actual valuation, which is not the amount that's put in, the actual valuation is some multiple of the total amount that's been put in. Uh, and uh, if you, if things are going well and you time your funding correctly, then every time you get new funding, you're getting a much higher multiple. So even though things get diluted, the actual value, potential value of what you're left with after the dilution should still be higher. Oh, I see. Okay, right. So in other words, if if you get, if you have, let's say 1% of a $100 million company, that's worth a million dollars. But if you have uh, half a percent of a billion dollar company, what is that? 500 million, no, 50 million dollars. Is my math right? Greg will correct me on that. <laughs> Furiously typing away, <laughs> profusely sweating on the uh, on the bus. Yeah, yeah. So, so the the idea is that even though you have dilution, since the valuation is going up, as long as the valuation is going up faster than the dilution, everybody comes out ahead. The problem is that in reality, that often doesn't happen, especially uh, these days where there's often over aggressive valuations for a lot of companies. You know. Bubblish type valuations where, you know, petstore.com sock puppet company, you know, is, is worth. Do you guys get that reference? That's an old reference at this point. Yeah, like Webvan era. Yeah, yeah. You know, when, when these companies that don't have any profit and maybe not even any revenue uh, still have like multiple billion dollar valuations, then chances are that valuation is never going to go up. It's only going to go down. So, so once you get, once you get dilution, uh, if you get dilution and the valuation goes down, then you're in trouble. Then your stake is worth almost nothing. Uh, and this is ex- this is exactly why a lot of the game out here in the Valley, at least, is you don't stay at a startup for years and years and years 
and years, unless you're a founder, you stay for a little bit and then maybe join a different one. So you kind of hedge your bets and you get equity in a bunch of different little startups uh, and then maybe one will hit. Mm. So, so yes, the article is dead on, correct. But I think it's not the whole story uh, of, right. of why yeah. people do this. And I think yeah. it's a little bit negative. Cool. Yeah, right. I, I do think it was a, a, a nice bit of uh, water to the face for folks because there's a lot of people out there, I'm sure, very uh, starry-eyed because of Uber and Lyft and so on and so forth having IPOs. Mm-hmm. But um, just to make it more personal, so, you know, I've worked at a few startups, including one that uh, no longer exists. So I went to Apple.com and I went to say, let's see, 15-inch MacBook Pro, uh, Space Gray, Touch Bar, and Touch ID with 2.6 gigahertz, six-core processor. And I basically bought one of those and threw it into the river <laughs> for the money that I spent on one of those lottery tickets. Um, not that much money when, when you really think about it, but still. Just, just, oh, exercise. If you're, if you're, mean. Yeah, if, yeah. You're, if, you're, if you're at home, take a look at your MacBook and just throw it in the river <laughs> and see how you feel about that money. <laughs> and that's kind of the more likely case for uh, startups in general. So I think it'd be more about you know passion and and maybe hedging your bets if you work at several startups uh, like like you mentioned there, Mark. But I definitely don't think you know, go in there with your eyes open and don't expect like oh yeah this is clearly going to be the next Uber. Um, yeah, because it's probably not. That's one in a billion. Yeah. If, yeah. I, if I had a nickel for every time somebody says I have a great app idea and you should come and work for like practically nothing. Yeah. No thanks. Yeah. And I thought the subtitle of the article, the sleep with one eye open, was was a little yeah. clickbaity. You know, paranoid because yeah. that's you know that usually implies someone sort of out to get you. Right? Yeah, yeah. But um, uh, intentionally, which is not always but, the case. Yeah, right? and, and that's not what the article is about. The article is just more about the reality of the finances of these things. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I guess it's, it's funny because I've worked on both sides of the fence in terms of like, um, you know, worked for the man. I've been the man. You know, I'm working for a corporation now. But I wonder, like, do people really think that, you know, owners are out to get you? Like, I think, I, I think in most cases, and you guys can probably c- c- weigh in on this, but I think in most cases, like, a founder has is is there to build you know the next big thing or whatever yeah they're interested in their exit plan but you know i think they're earnestly trying to help have you come and help them oh absolutely the next yeah day set, yeah right? no no absolutely yeah i i don't i've never encountered a well and maybe i've just been selective but i've never encountered a founder who is who is there just trying to take advantage of people um right. yes yeah, yeah. you know they they really want to this is their dream and and they want you to be part of their dream exactly now yeah. the vc yeah. Are a different story, <laughs> but but it's it's not like VCs are out to get you. It's just they're in it for themselves, and don't ever forget that they're in it for themselves. They're right, not exactly, in it for you. Exactly. They're not looking out yeah. for you. They're looking out for themselves. Yeah, but, same goes for salespeople in North sales organizations as well. Yeah, 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 but you know they're they're generally not looking to screw you over intentionally. They will screw you over, but they're not intentionally looking to screw you over. Yeah, yeah, no, they're they're hoping you'll help them. Yeah. Yeah. make it's like like you know the the Jerry Maguire show me the money they're they're, right. they're there they're you're there as the talent to try and make them look good and, and and convince their investors or buyers or whatever that the product you're producing is is you know top class right so everybody walks away happy right theoretically mm-hmm. <laughs> all right let's move on 
Uh, this is another. I got a couple of quick uh, stories here from from um, Spark, uh, CBC Spark is one of the podcasts I listen to, and by Nora 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 Young uh, on CBC. And um, the first one was kind of what kind of caught my ear was because uh, we talk a lot about Alexa and and Siri and Google's Assistant and Cortana. I forgot what Cortana's name is. Is it Cortana? Yeah, it is um, Cortana. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So so and this is a clip from the show, and it's based on she she interviewed uh, uh, somebody who was involved in a. Uh, a study which was published as I'd blush if I could, and it's about AI assistance and gender stereotypes. And the idea is uh, briefly that, and again, I, I encourage you to listen to the to the person talking on the in the podcast. I've, I've saved it at the at the point it's eight forty seven into the into the show of that podcast. Um, that basically by using female voices for these virtual assistants, because you can say anything you want to the virtual assistant, right? You can yell at them, you can scream at them, you can swear at them, you can you know have you know just have your way with them, you know verbally and they'll always re- reply in a polite you know um, accepting manner and the idea behind this this piece that, that they publish is that the, they're, they're reinforcing an, a, an incorrect gender stereotype of women that women are accommodating and passive and you know uh, compliant to whatever the person who's directing them is willing to do and it's just an interesting sort of you know piece from that perspective so and you guys have any ideas on that or is this a surprise to you or I think it collects a couple of of independent problems. So I think one problem is, you know, given limited engineering time, why are companies spending time making the assistant respond to uh, abuse in a cutesy sort of way? Um, you know, the uh, I'd blush if I could after being called a very, a very, very bad name for a woman. Um, and that's being tied together with the assumption that the fact that these voices sound a particular gender, in particular feminine, that this is reinforcing, um, what's the exact word they're using? Servility and obedience. And I, I don't think that's the case. In fact, I'd, I'd like to see a counterexample of come up with a thing that has a voice that does not sound gendered. It may it may be possible to be you know, tough to tell and ambiguous, but I don't think we can have a completely uh, even a purely robotic voice will be, like, it'll be, it'll sound masculine. So hang on a second. So so in in the, the clip that's in the, in the podcast, they do actually play a voice that has been designed to be gender gender neutral, and it's it's an interesting voice because I was talking with a friend of mine at work about this the other day, and and he was sort of saying, but anytime there's a like any kind of robotic or artificial voice, your brain tunes into the fact that it's an artificial voice not so much what it's saying or, or how it sounds. And, and and I do want to point out that I do believe that the U, the your, um, the British voice, if you choose the British one, I think Greg was telling me this a while ago, that, that it's a male voice instead of a female voice. So, And I think Australia has a male voice as well. Well, but, I, I just checked in Siri. Yeah. And you have, there's five accent options, American, Australian, sure. British, Irish, and yeah. South African. And there's yeah. two gender options. You can choose male or female. Oh, you can. Okay, yeah. So, so yeah. Anyway, it's just the, the, the can, default. Can you do that I think Alexa? we're talking about... Probably, but I'm thinking. I think what I'm saying is that I think out of the box, they're they're, they're they tend to be female, right? Anyway, but the point is that that in the clip is there. The clip they do play an example of a voice that kind of sounds male, but doesn't kind of sound male, and you know, like like it's funny because like again, it's sort of checking your con your your what do you call it uh, confirmation bias? Is that what it is? Uh, um, when I listen to it, it sounds. I would think it was more male than less female, if you know what I mean. Like this, this the voice example to use. Can you hear that? Yeah. Your virtual assistant. 
Right. Okay. Let's see what the British one says. I'm Siri, there. your virtual assistant. But Siri is clearly a I'm Siri, girl's name. Your virtual assistant. Right. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. I'm Siri, your. I'm Spartacus. <laughs> I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. I'm Spartacus. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. What country do you think this I'm is? I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. Say that again. I'm Siri, it- your virtual assistant. Am I supposed I'm to Siri, guess what country that is? Yeah. Assistant. Is that supposed to be Canada? No. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. Doesn't sound like the talking moose at all. It's not Canada. That's. <laughs> I mean, the, ma- the the female voice is a little hard to tell. The male voice sounds like I Siri, imagine it coming out of Simon Cowell's voice. So I'm going to say yeah. that it's, you know, it, it could be uh, the British male, but I actually think it's the American male. No, that's mm-hmm, the mm-hmm. Irish one. Really? Yeah. What? This is the British one. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. I suppose. Yeah, I suppose. Yeah. Your virtual assistant. This is the American. Now ask it to say the beta software is coming out I'm next Siri, week. Your virtual assistant. Mark. What? Ask it to say the beta software is coming out next week. If it's a British voice, it'll say beta, not beta. Okay, so you want British? I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. All right, now I actually have to go to Siri. Hold on. Yeah, now we're going to ruin your, your phone. And Hold on. survey says... Say the beta software will come out next week. You have to say hey, Siri? <laughs> no, I, I, I abused the button, oh. but it completely failed. Uh-huh. No, I, I don't know how to respond to that. So Is that what it said? Yep. Oh, but it didn't say it. Nope. Really? I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. Kind of like the British one. <laughs> I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. That's Australian. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. That's South African. I'm Siri, your virtual assistant. And that's American. Okay, that's enough of that. <laughs> Hang on. I, 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 I do want to find this clip if I can. Like the, the big flaw in the, oh, like you've created a, a let's, let's assume you could create a completely gender neutral voice, right? Now the question is, great, it works in a lab. How does it work out in the real world? Can you hear it when you're across the room? Can you hear it when the music is blaring? Does it sound different in those real world environments? Like I think they're starting from a premise of these voice assistants tend to, but a little question, a a little asterisk on that, tend to have female voices. And if people are used to asking female voiced things to be obedient and follow commands, therefore this is exacerbating uh, sexism. I don't think that would hold up to scrutiny really well because all you'd have to do is say, all right, well, let's choose some something like Siri and do some analysis of which countries have the male voice for Siri as the default and which ones have the female voice. And let's see what happens. And I doubt that you would see things line up cleanly with, ah, see, there's more sexism in countries that have the female voice versus the male voice as the default. Okay, here it is. This is the gender neutral one. Hi, I'm Q, world's first genderless voice assistant. Yeah, to me it sounded male. Yeah, yeah. to me too, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> what are you going to do? That's our that's our, our brains playing tricks with us yeah. anyway interesting. i'm trying to answer the question here i'd have to look it up i don't if it's in settings for amazon alexa i don't see an option to change the voice and i don't remember having anything other than recent voice responses i know with the I google home there's not much you can do to, to customize it they, they, they actually did update to have um like six different voices voice colors they call them the google and, one yeah and i want to say like three out of the six are female and three out of the six are male so where do you get that from let me just go into my Google device here. Yeah, see, I, I don't. How do you how do you change the options in Google Home? It's an utter nightmare. 
it's it so bad. It's so difficult to use to change mm-hmm. the anything related to Google Assistant, especially when it relates to something specific like a Google Home. But do you I do usually it on end up the, searching for it on Google how to do it, and then yeah. that's almost always a woefully out of date web page. But at least it mm-hmm. gives you the the little like treasure map hints, so you can find the buried treasure chest of oh, here's where I need to go in the updated UI. Right, right. Oh, interesting. I finally got figured out how to get it to, to recognize my address. They must have updated that because I think I told I mentioned before that I bought my Google Home on on eBay from a Canadian seller. I thought I was buying a Canadian Google Home, but it ends up being in a U.S. one, so it keeps picking the wrong locales for our data. So, which is really annoying. But I just found out how to set the address in it, which is nice. Finally, anyway, speaking of Canada, um, I don't know if you guys have, maybe you haven't heard or not, but uh, Trudeau was speaking at a, a tech conference in Paris, I think, last week about how Canada is going to um, impose. Uh, they're going to go after large social media giants if they continue to promote fake news and, you know, uh, the kind of postings that affect, um, you know, people's privacy and stuff like that. I don't know if you guys, they, they're, they're going after hate speech and misinformation, especially with our, we have an election coming up this year, right? So um, Trudeau was speaking at the Viva Tech Conference and um, they ha- they actually had a couple of Facebook executives, or sorry, former Facebook people in uh, our parliament yesterday um, because they tried to subpoena Mark Zuckerberg and a few other people from, you know, the the name of the guy from Twitter, but they sent representatives or local representatives to speak at uh, our with our government about what they're doing. I don't know if you guys have heard anything about that at all. I'd heard about the um, the subpoena for Mark Zuckerberg, who's CEO of Facebook, the general corporation slash conglomerate. Right. Yeah. And there's also been calls for, for splitting these guys up. Like the guy who came and spoke, he was an ex-Facebook uh, person. I can't remember his name, but I'll put it in the show notes. Um, he mentioned that in his opinion, you know, <laughs> they should uh, like turn off Facebook and, and uh, disband or split them up, which has been something that's been called for before. But I don't know. How do you turn off Twitter and Facebook in a country? You know, um, seems a little... Uh, well, you do it by IP address. Yeah, but I mean... China blocks Google, for example. I was going to say, without, be- without being like, you know, it's seen as censored, right? Or censoring. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it is censoring. Yeah. Yeah. So it's an interesting. So we'll we'll keep an eye on this one, see how it develops. But uh, I wonder if that dog has a bigger bark than its bite. Right. Yeah. I suspect it's it's uh, since Facebook doesn't seem to care in the U.S. Yeah. They're not going to care about Canada. No offense. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, let's move on to your uh, your. I think I saw these these earlier today too. I think comment. Oh, these are from yesterday, I guess, or two days ago. The uh, leaks. Yeah. Um. The first one is from Nine to Five Mac. Year Rambo. That's a name that comes up quite a lot for this sort of thing. It has a screenshots that apparently reveal iOS 13's dark mode and the new Remainders app, and also how the new cropping tools will work for uh, for photos. Mm. Now, this is a audio medium and not a visual one, so of course we will have that link in the show notes so those of you driving at home, but um, what we're primarily looking here, I think, for dark mode is the music app, which, I don't know, looks okay. I think it's not as contrasty as I would like. I don't know that, that pure black, uh, assuming that's what this is, necessarily works, given the discussion we had just last week about using pure black black versus sort of, you know, almost black for this sort of thing. But oh, it, right, yeah. it still looks pretty nice. I assume it will do wonders to save on um, battery power uh, for OLED type screens. And, but uh, will we be able to opt out of dark mode? That's the question, right? And and here they've got like red fonts and, and white fonts. Like the, I assume the black type is switching to, to white. So it's white, you know, black, white on black background. But what will happen to our colors? You know, it's, it's not the same as just inverting the screen, which you can do now, right? Well, you'll have to attend the uh, developing for dark, dark mode. 
mode session. At, yeah, at yeah. accessibility for dark mode and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. What did we say the over under was? What was the over under number? The point at which six, we four to six. Six. <laughs> I don't know what over under is. I'm going to take the under on the six. I think, but but we'll yeah, have I'll to say the under on six. No, I think there'll be one dark mode for iOS. Oh, so so wait, session. so over under means is a number, and you pick whether it'll be less or more than. Yeah. Yeah, and and let's set the rules here. So so it's inclusive as a number. So if you said three, then and you took the um the under right then in, in three you know zero to three wins you four or more loses you right so whatever the they're calling dark mode has to be in the title of the session right yeah i don't think it you, you, there's no like adding up partial credits for like oh what's new in coco touch for example like it no, literally no, no, has no. to be I the primary yeah, topic of the yeah. of the the session for this. well it definitely will be in what's new in coco touch for, for that for that matter but um i i would say i'm gonna say four will be the would be the the number of sessions that will, will be really four sessions mode. about dark mode are you kidding yeah yeah because we talked about uh, how you year, get there right so big fonts remember those stupid things intro to dark mode advanced dark mode designing and, your app for dark, dark mode. mode one and two and then like something like migrating to dark mode or taking your existing legacy app to oh. dark mode and accessibility for dark mode so I'll, I'll i'll take the under on four again with the same rules here that we're saying that four zero to four wins given what i just stated so the over underline is four are we happy with that do people want to take bets yeah. I will absolutely take an under on four. So zero to four. Okay. Tim, are you taking the under on four as well? No, I'm I'm saying it's going to be at least four. So is that the over? I'm probably doing this wrong. <laughs> So you think but the way that Vegas actually does under it'll be five or more, Tim? No, I think it'll be four. Well, then we make it over under three. Then hmm. does that mean that we can't choose three? Like nobody can, nobody like nobody wins if it's three. No, that's well. It depends on whether whether you have uh, th- three be included in the under or the over. You can choose oh, okay. either one. I mean, it's you just. I I, I, I think it's going to be more than three. And Jaime thinks it's going to be less, less than five. Is what I'm hearing. It's not going to be five. No, but, I think it's, but it's not going to be less than three. Like it's going to be. It's going to be. There's going to be there's going to be a one advanced whatever one and two they always do mm-hmm. that and then there's going to be like one intro two for the people who are mildly interested and then there'll be designing four so that's less than or equal to four is what you're going with um, yeah that's what I'm sort of saying I think I think I think four is going to be around the, the happy number I won't be pleased if there's five considering I'm paying for this trip myself you know <laughs> <laughs> maybe that's one of those extra Friday sessions Tim you know <laughs> happy thoughts yeah no now there were only two last year of what Starkland. yeah but my Mac OS isn't as popular as iOS. Think think about the lar- the big font thing that they did. You know the, the what do they call the large titles, right? They yeah. had they had, they had quite a few sessions on that last All right, year. We'll see. We'll see. What were the big things last year, right? Emojis. I can't remember now. ML was the big thing. Or ML. Yeah. yeah. So ML yeah, and so, AirKit. Yeah. And how many sessions did they have for that stuff last year? Oh, tons. Yeah. So that's what I'm saying. Like, is dark mode going to be the big the big seller for this this particular show? I mean, we don't know. I mean, they're going to have like you know push for pizza or something. I don't know. You never know until Apple pulls out. Well, the, pulls the, you never. No. Yeah. Off, right? You know, the ironic thing is before iOS 7, iOS was always dark mode, wasn't it? Uh, yeah. It certainly skewed darker because it wasn't using white as a basis. You had right. yeah. grays yeah. and yeah. blues. Yeah. And the default nav bar was kind of that grayish thing. Right. Yeah. So what else you got here for the TV and music apps? Or Jaime speaking of leaks. Or well, that's the spoilers right there for the topic. <laughs> So Guillermo Rambo, also on 9to5Mac, has uh, released exclusive screenshots revealing the new music and TV apps on macOS 
2018. And they look kind of what you would expect, pretty yeah. basic, maybe perhaps, you know, speculating here, marzipanified apps for music oh, and Oh, TV. so these are, the, these are running on Mac OS. Oh, I get it. Okay, okay. Yeah. yeah. They and look if they're just not, like the, they're, they're like regular apps, right? They're not marzipanified. They could be just, you know, normal, plain old app kit ones, but ones without any very particular styling. They look like what you'd get out of the box using standard widgets. The first thing I notice is no menu. Oh, that's interesting. Well, maybe that's yeah, on the menu bar. Say what? Well, yeah, maybe that right. would this, be on the menu bar. This is, the just a, this is just a window. Yeah, but I mean, I guess, but that's what I mean, though. If you're taking, if you're taking the the iPad metaphor, and moving it over to Mac OS, what do they do with the menu other than file, edit, quit, window, right? File, edit, view, and window probably will be and help will be the the menu across the top, right? Like, what's the minimum uh, app kit menu thing, right? Like, what you're guaranteed to get? A good question. I don't know because I'm not an app kit developer. Right. Yeah. All right. All right. Is it panel so, time, Tim? The, the quick two items. Panel time. Let's let's dig into the panel time. So we want to. So how are you going to how are we going to break this down, Jaime? We're going to do so let's one say and two. Tell each one person two. answering these two questions. One is what are you wishing? So wait, are you going to do Jonathan Kuhlein style? Are you going to like have like the one question, then we all answer the one question, and then move on to the second question? All right, let's 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 do it. JPK okay. News style. JPK right. News style. First question for the entire panel: What do you wish will be announced? <laughs> WWDC. And I guess it could be anything, but like not wishing for ponies kind of mean more like it potentially could happen, but you're not really sure. It's like the moonshot, like this might be announced, but you don't know for certain that it'll be announced. You know, we haven't talked about playgrounds at all in the last couple of weeks. What do you think could happen? Like, you think? Well, considering there's a, there's already an announced session called Swift Playgrounds Three, I'm expecting oh, Swift Playgrounds Three. That's a, that's a good. What's the over under <laughs> on that? What's the over under on that? <laughs> okay, here here's what I wish. I wish there was some form of Xcode for iPad. All right, that's a good one. That's in the spirit of this. It's it's not something you would necessarily expect, but is within the realm of possibility. I mean, I do, I do, I do recognize the fact that having a compiler running on the iPad or on iOS in general is a challenge, but maybe Apple has come up with that, right? And speaking well, what of... what if it w- doesn't run on the iPad itself? Well, I mean, like, you know, maybe you have to have a Mac or something to, to kind of do it on, right? Because, I mean, they're already talking about having this remote screen, right? Which, you know, which is going to Sherlock um, our pals over at uh, Astropad, right? Ast- or Luna Luna Display, right? But yeah, I think I've always wanted something, some sort of a codable, a code, an Xcode usable iPad app. I mean, I've had Drygen and, and all the various, you know, app development apps, and I've never really gotten very far with them on the iPad, but I would like to see something like that. And uh, going along with that, I think we're due for multiple user accounts on on iOS, at least on at maybe least on, on, the on the Pro device, yeah, on the iPad, because they have it for education now. I don't know why they can't have it for for uh, devices like the iPad. Mm-hmm. Mark, how about you? More size classes? <laughs> no, more size. I, classes. Actually, I think the need for more size classes, which uh, the joke for new listeners is, that I've been. I've been asking for that for a couple of years now. Uh, and More sizes for iPad, right? Well, no. I, yeah, yeah I, I was mostly interested because you had everything from, you still had, we were still, for a while there, we were still supporting the 3.75 inch devices and then the, the iPhone 4 or 5 or, yeah, there was the 4, then there was the, the 5 slash SE and then the 6 six plus and then all the different tens and and there were a whole bunch of different iphone form factors uh and only and one ipad size factor yeah well yes there but there basically there was there was one essentially one size class for the iphone not exactly but one for the uh, for the iphone and one for the ipad because they were introduced back when yeah. there was only one size iphone and one size ipad not 100 mm-hmm. percent that way because like the, the the plus devices would i think in landscape mode would use the same 
same would use the iPad size clasp. So there's a, there's a little bit of overlap there. But essentially, there was one iPhone and one iPad in each of Portrait and Landscape, and and to me that just wasn't enough to to do really um, detailed designs across all those different device sizes. So I was always looking for more size classes. But but now you know now that the SE is kind of kind of gone. Um, is it? No, I thought the SE was still around. Is the SE? I thought the SE was only those here. ones that they found in, in the Tim basement. Cook's pickup right, truck. Right. Yeah. Right. But they're not officially. Right, so we're still supporting that size. Yeah. Well, okay. They're still supporting that size. That's true. But but uh, uh, they're not su- not supporting the smaller size anymore. Three yeah, the three twenty by four eighty. Yeah. Uh, so so I think yeah the, the that ship has sailed. I think that will that will not happen. What's your other idea other than size classes? Do I have another idea? Did I say another wish item? Tim Tim went ahead and and, and chose two items to wish for. Oh, I see. I see. I don't know. I have to think about that one. All right. How about you, Jaime? What do you wish for? I'm wishing for, and not even sure how to phrase it. Um, I am wishing for some sort of server functions. And, and, and granted, we did mention a week or two ago, I think, the leak that, oh, it looks like there could be CloudKit server functions of some sort. Mm. So maybe something of that line. But I'm I'm kind of more generalizing it to some sort of serverless platform and whether it really fits distinctly on that um, you know, serverless definition. What I really am intending and meaning here is some sort of way to run code, not on device, but on, on the servers. Side. And I'm assuming it's like Apple hosted servers. So they maintain control, right. right? And I'm really leaning towards, I sure would like HomePod to do stuff even when my phone's not around. Hmm. Yeah, More so, Google Assistant, so Amazon Echo style. Sort of like to translate into Amazon terms, uh, in within AWS, there's S3, which is the cloud storage, but there's also EC2 where you can you can run your own code on their servers. Uh, and so Apple has you know, all the iCloud and CloudKit stuff is, is very much like S3, which is storage, but they, but there is no equivalent for running running your server-side code on an Apple server somewhere. Sure. Right. Yeah, and that could that so, yeah, yeah. be the iPad thing I was talking yeah. about. But possibly, you know, you know, as far as an EC2, but I would guess they'd start with more of a, a function, a Lambda. Oh, like Amazon, a Lam- Amazon Lambda. AWS kind of Lambda thing, thing yeah. right? Yeah. Especially for something like, uh, oh, you can run Vapor or Katura, you know, and it, it only gets called, or sorry, it only exists when your service gets called sort of thing. Mm-hmm. You guys remember remember I talked about Aaron Vay's app idea that he's working on? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's the same sort of idea where he's got, you work on the code on your on your iPad, but it's actually copied up to a server and it's actually, he's in this case, he's using Ruby. Right? So you're writing Ruby code on your on your iOS device, but it actually runs on a server in, in the cloud somewhere. Which is kind of a standard uh, um, kind of work mode for server-side stuff, right? You develop, yeah, you develop yeah. locally and then you deploy it to the server. Mm-hmm. But in this case, I think in his case, it was kind of a sort of seamless idea. You know? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. And for my second wish, I'm going to wish for... Full body emojis, right? <laughs> <laughs> so we too can have... Who, who, who is the equivalent of uh, Donald Glover, Childish Gambino, that they yeah. can have dancing in the ad? Eddie Q? Send us... <laughs> yes, Eddie Q in, in a send-up of the Samsung ad. Yeah, that'd be great. Uh, no, my real wish would be for uh, programmatic access uh, read-write to the NFC sensor. So we could we could do interesting things, not just read from like prepared tags sort of thing. I mean, 
like, I want to be able to tap two iPhones together and do something. Yeah. My guess is that won't happen and I'll explain why. Uh, there's too many chances for security issues where somebody could right. hack into a point of sale in a store somewhere. And so you have an app that can spoof the point of sale in some way and and uh, start stealing stuff from stores. Oh, no expensive. doubt. And that, that's why this is on the, the wishing for in yeah. the, the realm of possibility, but I don't expect it to be a WWDC. Yeah, yeah. Um, before we move on, uh, Mark, do you so have a second one? That what, you've what, come about up with? A, what about an Apple, an official Apple Swift on the server solution? Ooh. 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 Uh, buddy build integrated, you know, make use of that. Yeah. Ooh. Purchase yeah. that they did. Yeah, I, I like that choice. Mm-hmm. Hmm. I wonder if that's what, uh, who are the burrito people again? What was the name of the burrito people? The ones you mentioned at the very yeah, beginning the of the show? burrito people, yeah. Embrace. Yeah. So? Embrace, yeah. Maybe, I wonder if they do that. Hmm. Um, Can we do a Google search on Embrace? We could. Okay, Embrace exists. We make apps faster and more reliable. That's what, that's what they claim. Hmm. This appears to be a uh, crash logging system. Oh, I see. As long as they get free burritos at WWC, that's all I care about. Um, you got to find out where the burritos are from, though. Well, okay, yeah, that's you true. Know, if, if they're going over to the Safeway and getting a bunch of frozen burritos and microwave them up, you're better right. off not eating, not eating them. Right. Well, we'll, we'll, <laughs> save, we'll save that for the after show, Mark. We'll save that for the after show. Okay. Um, uh, so what do you call it on, on, on Alexa and Google when you, is it sketches or whatever they call them? What do you call those things? Skills. Skills. Skills for Siri. What do you think about that? So what do you mean when you say that? Do you mean the uh, server side integration? Well, I, don't, I mean, I've only seen demos of, of the Alexa thing, but yeah, isn't that the same idea? You write these little things, you, you almost plug them together on the Alexa side and then you run them as like, you know, we have, you know, you can get your bank balance, for instance, you know, through a, through a skill um, or something like that. You know, like what's the score? Not so much what's the score in the baseball game, but you could write your own sort of, um, isn't that what you want to do with Alexa? I mean, all the time, like you're always talking about that one. Came out. Yeah, this, um, I feel like there's a theme developing. Like there's got to be but... more to Siri. I think, I think one of the problems that people have with Siri is that like, you know, first year there was like five things you could do with it. Last year they added eight things you could do to it, you know? Yeah. So it's so more of a plug and play capability to make Siri smarter and smarter. Or maybe with... a dev kit for Siri or something like that. Or access to the framework or something. Yeah. So, so something, if I get what you're saying, something beyond the, um, the highly curated on rails type of experiences that are possible with things like Siri shortcuts. Now there are um, integrations you can do with Siri, uh, of course, all on device, but you're talking more like, you know, if my app provides particular smarts, you would like to be able to ask Siri, yo, give me these smarts because I have this, uh, this account connected or possibly this app installed, right? More of a flexible. I, I get the gist of what you're saying. Yeah. I, I got, I got another one. I got another one. Standalone watch OS apps and an independent watch OS app store. Yeah. That's, that's been, a, wait, a are you wish. putting that on the wish or is that, are you, or are you you're peeking ahead to the next question? Well, the next, why don't you ask the next question first? Cause I don't think, well, the next question is for those of you driving is, at home. Here's the next question. What do you think is likely to be announced at WWDC? And remember, there are no points given. We're not taking a, a draft or anything. It's not like, you know, well, core dark data mode. Three. I'm going to burn no, dark core, mode already. Right? Core like, three. Core ML dark three. mode is off limits because clearly that's being announced. Core ML3, App Kit 3, or AR Kit 3. Um, but what's going to be in those? What do you think? Uh, real li- real time holograms projected into the middle of your room from your phone. <laughs> I just saw <laughs> I feel like that should have been on the Wish side and not, not likely. But <laughs> you, you, you do you. you know. Well, so wait. So the last first year they had horizontal plane mapping. Then they came up with vertical plane mapping. Maybe now they'll have entire room mapping. <laughs> yeah. 
for ARKit. I mean, I'm not sure yeah, what Core ML three would be uh, because remember Core ML is the it's something that trains itself to think. Yeah, yeah, but that wouldn't be Core ML. That would be Create ML on the iPhone, oh, which is ML, that, yeah. that's that's possible. So Create ML on on the device is possible because uh, right now Create mm-hmm. ML is only on the Mac and Core ML is oh both. right, mm. and that's mainly because of processing needs. Right to, to creating a model, training a model still is pretty processor intensive. Have you thought about this? You can actually get like if you buy a stock MacBook Air, right, or even a stock MacBook Pro, like a 13, you could end up having more storage space on your phone than you do on your Mac. Like I have a 256 gig Mac or phone right now, right? And I have a 256 gig MacBook Air 11 inch. And that's because we upgraded it from 128. Mm-hmm. You know, crazy. Well, but if you think about it, it's, it's, it's not that crazy if you think about the way people use these things, right? So someone who's, who's using sort of a low end, not a lot of storage MacBook Air uh, is... Yeah, they're not doing Xcode and stuff on yeah, it. Yeah, they're probably just a, they're, they're, a, so they're uh, someone who's using it for, for email and, and browsing uh, or, or, you know, they're like, if they're in a business uh, environment, there's someone who's traveling a lot and just doesn't need, doesn't need to have, just need something light that they can carry. And they're always going to be connecting to a cloud somewhere. So all of the media that they might want to use can just be in the cloud. But with the phone or the iPad or something like that, it's, it's, since it's much, so much more portable. Uh, people are much more likely to want to store things on the, on the device itself. So it mm-hmm. sort of makes sense. All right, so let's go back to what, what's likely to be announced at WWDC. What do you think, Jaime? I think, and, and, and maybe this almost ends up being in the wish area, but I feel like 75% confident this is going to be announced. I think we will see Marzipan preview. So to distinguish that from like full-up Marzipan, I, I think Apple will go the route of this year you can start building for Marzipan and start learning about it, but it's still going to be in preview mode, meaning it's not until the subsequent WWDC that it'll be like, aha, now you can start getting your apps ready to be submitted that are marzipanified. I think they'll, I think they'll do it phased. I don't think it'll be like all or nothing. Well, you know, nothing could be, we get nothing with marzipan. They're like, hey, we're talking about it, but only Apple has access to it. I think we get access to it, but won't be production um, ready come September. So I call it preview mode. So let's think back to the to when they announced iPhone SDK, right? Didn't they, didn't they sort of say, here's a version you can play with for six months and then we won't let apps into the App Store until around December or something like that? Wasn't that the case? Like, why wouldn't... I, I think that's more likely that, you know, if they're going to come up with Marzipan, it's, okay, here, play around with it for a little bit. We're still working out some of the bugs. You know, do some demo demo deployments, but you can't put it on the store until, you know, they figure out what they're doing on the store side. Because right? I'm sure they have to rejig the the Mac App Store to, to accommodate this new style of app as well, right? Yeah, there's there's a lot that needs to go on. And I, I, I kind of feel like they've had a year to shake out a lot of the issues with their own apps and now they'll extend that idea to okay now we want to see the community what are the issues where are the areas that we still need to polish or tighten up but are they are people really going to sit around for a year like like would you really honestly would you personally start building apps if you knew you couldn't do anything with it for a year so I think what they'll do is not have it be like, oh, here's like these 20 different things and entitlements and all this other stuff that's going to uh, completely destroy your production app. I think it will be something like, oh, if you start building with uh, these availability statements with these particular settings, then you can run the preview of what your um, your Marzipanified app will be like. I think kind of similar to the way they released, uh, I, I think I could be wrong in my memory, the way they released way, way, way early in 
advance how WatchKit was going to work well in advance of the actual devices coming out. So people would build their WatchKit apps as best they could. And then the actual thing came out and they said, okay, here's the parts that don't work. And the, here's how I have to fix my app sort of thing. Yeah, maybe maybe it was the watch I was thinking about, the fact that we could write watch apps that we didn't even have a, phone, a watch to put them on. Yeah, it was all in the simulator then, for a long time. And then when you got them, you found out how poor the networking was and all that kind of stuff, right? And everybody like just pulled all their hair out. Remember, remember they um, did that with the original iPad too? Yeah, I'm trying to, I think the iPad, so the iPad came out in April. I think we were deploying, yeah, because we were deploying by the summer, right? I think June or something like that was, no, announced it April 1. You could have apps on, on the iPad in April 1. When when they first announced the iPad, there was no hardware available. So they had to develop for the iPad without ever having seen yes, the yeah. device. We, we were we were in the middle of doing that. And, and once it came out, we, we had to sort of scramble to make things work, right? Yeah. Because so, we, we didn't deploy till August. We were planning on trying to get out by, you know. And they were hard to get spring. it initially, too. So, so yeah, that's true. You couldn't physically, uh, even if you had developed your app, you couldn't actually try it on a real device for a long time. Yeah. You know what we haven't talked about is arcade, the new arcade for gaming, right? Mm. That, that's the other thing, too, is we, we've forgotten about is, is what's going to happen on the whole gaming side, right? Because aren't they still, they still have Steam Kit, they still have Sprite Kit, Game Center is practically dead, but they have all that all the gaming AI that they did last year and the year before, right? Yeah. So you're making a prediction on something that is likely to be announced in that area? Well, there's going to be some, I, I'm sure there's going to be something game, game, game wise, you know. I think Tammy and I were talking about this a while ago and I, and, and I vaguely remember her saying something about one of those things is going to go away, like uh, whether it's Scene Kit or uh, Sprite Kit, but she, I think she kind of had a sense that there was kind of like a change happening coming there as well. I could see Sprite Kit going away if it was replaced with Scene like Kit capability. So like, oh, it just runs kit? in 2D mode. Yeah. yeah. Well, just don't Sprite render the other, the other. Scene Kit does dimension. run in 2D mode. Scene Kit does have a 2D mode. Well, there you go. Maybe So then maybe Sprite Kit is the one that just sort of gets absorbed into. Um, well, they already have Gameplay Kit. Well, they, game maybe they have kit. a unit unification. <laughs> there already is. There's a. There's a. Yeah. There's game gameplay kit and there's game kit. Those are two different things, right? Yeah. 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 Gaming kit. Well, they're gonna have arcade kit, right? Or something. arcade kit. So, so I think that this is a piece of a much bigger story, and this this is really no stretch at all. That I think there's going to be a heavy emphasis on APIs to support services. Uh, mm. So there's going to be new APIs for Apple Music, new APIs for Apple TV. Oh, right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. New APIs for arcade. Uh, and whatever other services they've announced in the past year. Uh, mm. I, I think there's going to be a lot of emphasis on that. Also, continuing emphasis on health uh, and education that they've, which are also sort of services-ish kind of things. Yeah, I could see that. Subscriptions and other recurring revenue, recurring engagement sort of thing. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So you know what came up at work the other day was a question was, and I'm going to take this with me to the labs, but um, maybe you guys know something about it already. What do you think? Like, do you think that with Swift five that we we have ABI stability? Are we there yet? Really? The claim is that it is true. Yeah. Uh, Who's claiming that? The Swift org people. The Swift org people. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I don't know how you prove it or disprove it without a, a major effort, which I have not mm-hmm. done. Right. Yeah. For what it's worth, from what I've seen in the Swift um, Swift.org discussions, is the um, the new proposals come up and they have a whole section of like, how does this impact? ABI stability and some was like none because this is totally brand new feature um, as opposed to like you know let's say somebody hypothetically came up with a proposal for Swift 5.2 that said guess what we're going to completely redo the way that strings work and they'll say no get out of here <laughs> that impacts ABI stability if we do that oh so that's going to be a limiting factor going forward to a certain extent too well I, 
I mean, you could look at it as limiting, and you could also say, like, okay, here's here's some guardrails. Here's some some constraints that say, look, you you can't have Swift be utterly broken from one version to the next when people upgrade their apps, right? Like, there should be, oh, okay, you know, you need to run the migrator. You know, um, here's this slightly different syntax. Not like you remember the horror days of uh, post WWDC 2014 Swift, where every beta completely changed and your code wouldn't compile. Yeah, yeah. Those were the days. All right. Well, I guess we'll 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 wait and see. We'll have to see what's going to happen uh, on Monday. We'll all know. Well, some of us will know. <laughs> Most of us will know. Two thirds of us will know. Um. All right. So let's move on to the picks. Uh. So you got something for us, Jaime? Yeah. First one is a tweet from a friend of the show, Sean Allen, who is saying that he is going to he's going to be live streaming on uh, Twitch.tv his uh, reactions. So that's Twitch.tv/slash Sean Allen. That's S E A N A L L E N. Um. So kind of doing a community thing, right? So for those of us who are not fortunate enough to be there with the crowd at WWDC, this is sort of a way that even if you're sitting at home on your couch or in your basement, you too can feel like you're watching the party with your friends. Now, I've always sort of had a couple of Slack groups that I kind of watch along with and and ooh and on. And it's funny, with the Slack groups, I can also see that um, the feeds that I get are delayed because sometimes, you know, I get to see people reacting in Texas and, and, you know, California well in advance of you know us up here in canada right so do you guys how do you guys normally consume the keynotes in the state of the union do you have to do it in a group or do it on your own or uh typically since i'm usually sitting in an office somewhere i just turn it on and watch it and whoever happens to be around watching it with me gets to watch it how about you Jaime? last few years i've worked from home so i have basically just watched from my own home office but jump onto the uh, work slack and we're all chatting about it and then you know our own slack you know we'll mention stuff in mtjc stuff true yeah. uh, sometimes tweet you know but you're right there definitely is the delay that can occur between areas that people are at and sometimes that can kind of be a bummer it's like oh i wanted to hear it for myself but has also turned into like a meta game where now it becomes kind of fun to start if you realize you're the one who's ahead start you know lying basically about stuff that's coming up and see how people react yeah. you know yeah, start with play. something plausible and then make it more real you know less realistic less realistic and then see how people go yeah. Do you ever play WWDC or Keynote Bingo? I've not. Is there like a like a site that will generate cards? For yeah, people? yeah. There, there's a couple of. I'll put a link in the show notes. But there's there's a couple of sites. I've looked at them last. I mean, they used to have them around when when were when they were Steve notes. You know, like when you know when he's going to say when they mention the iPod, when they mention you know Mac. You know, Eddie Q does a weird dance, that kind of stuff. Yeah, there's there's a bunch of uh, fun ones like that. You can probably Google it while I do my while I do my picks here, right? For some real time follow up, honey. Um, so my pick, my first pick here is and. And uh, I think, I don't know, we, we haven't mentioned it, and I, and I saw somebody uh, tweet about it the other day saying that they, they had uh, totally missed this coming out, and we, we did too because we didn't talk about it, but uh, that uh, the iOS Dev Jobs website has come up. That's from Dave Warner, I think his name is. I think, did you meet him in, in the UK, Jaime? I did meet Dave. I think yeah. his last name is Verwer. I'd have to look it up. It's spelled with a V, but but sometimes it's pronounced as a W. I don't know. Um, but uh, uh, yeah, so, so he's got a site now where he's listing iOS iOS dev jobs around, you know, around the globe, I assume. These, like, I'm looking at the first one here is like a senior iOS infrastructure engineer in Colorado, another one in Colorado, uh, one in Germany, um, some in the United States, Chicago, Virginia, California, Germany, Estonia, remote Canada and Waterloo, um, Texas, Stockholm, California. And it's, you know, he's got like four or five pages of, of jobs now. Um, but yeah, this, I think, what was his, um, um, was it iOS dev weekly was his uh, mailing list? 
list. Or, yeah, he's still got that. Yeah, um, yeah that's still going. Still got the newsletter going. Yeah, so he spun this out of, of that. So, uh, yeah, check it out, uh, iosdevjobs.com if you're looking for work or you know someone who is looking for work. You can also post jobs there. Uh, I think there's a, a fee for that. I don't know what that is, but you'll have to look that up. And your mileage or your kilometrage may vary. I, st- I still have trouble saying kilometrage, so your mileage will vary. Um, my second pick is, uh, again, coming from that same episode of Spark, which was I think was broadcast last week. I'm usually a week behind on, on the podcast. Um, about a book written by a gentleman, a Canadian uh, person named Clive Thompson. Uh, he went around and interviewed a bunch of uh, developers, and he's written a book called Coders, uh, The Making of a New Tribe and Remaking the World. So it was an interview with him and Laura on uh, Spark, and I've got a link here to, the, to his book. Just sort of talking about the, you know, the, the kind of, it, like, is, the question is, is there a personality that makes up a co- who is a coder? I kind of don't think there really is, but, you know, we do have things in common, like, or you could have things in common. You tend to think logically. You tend to like solving problems. Um, you tend to be able, be able to take large tasks and break them out into small, you know, small pieces so you can deal with them. Um, uh, you know, always want to fix things, you know, like it's very, very, you know, you, you like, like the idea of creating something and putting it out there in the world and having it, you know, if, you know, make people's lives better, let's say, let's take the positive view. But what is it about a coder? So it's an interesting, interesting book and an interesting uh, interview here with uh, Clive Thompson. So check that out uh, if you can. And it's just, the book just came out recently, I think in March. So it's pretty fresh off the press. And just one final thing before we go, you know, I've talked a lot about how Adobe Creative Cloud, I'm, you know, longtime designer. That's my whole, how I got into, into Mac computing in general. Um, and, you know, I've been using Photoshop since day one and Illustrator since it was Illustrator 88, which was actually the 1.0 version of it. And, uh, you know, Adobe, which switched over to the subscription model years and years ago. And I've never really felt just that I could justify spending the amount of money that uh, Adobe wants for the Creative Suite and that kind of stuff. But anyway, the other the other day I bought a two, two terabyte uh, Seagate drive because I was having trouble with my time machine backups. But I wanted to make sure it wasn't the media. So and this disk I bought or this drive I brought bought came with a two week sorry two month um, trial of uh, Lightroom Photo, which includes a copy of Photoshop. So I have now taken the plunge and I haven't entered my credit card data into the into Adobe yet. But I'm willing to give this new Photoshop a trial for two two months and see how I feel about it. And if I'm going to spend $20 US by the end of it, we'll find out. So stay tuned. That's it. What does that work out to? $240 a year, right? Hmm. In the past, I would have bought Photoshop. Like I own, I own, actually own two licenses of Photoshop. I own, I own one through a Creative Suite copy with, you know, with InDesign and Illustrator. And I own one single copy, single license of Photoshop as well. So, so in the past, I would have paid for it, but I don't know if two hundred forty dollars a year is is really justifies it because you can you could back in the day you could keep a copy of Photoshop going for two or three years without having to upgrade. So I guess that the math works out, right? I thought it used to be like six hundred, maybe six fifty for. It was like eight, yeah, American in American, it was like eight hundred. And I think my last invoice from Adobe for a single copy of Photoshop was around eight hundred dollars. But then once you got once you owned the license, you just the upgrade pricing was much more um, easier. It's easier, easier to swallow, I guess. Like they weren't as large, so maybe like a two thirds the price or whatever. Yeah, it's, a, it's the whole owning. I mean, you never really own software; you really only license it. But yeah, this whole having to pay monthly again, like I said before, many times, death by a thousand cuts. You know, because now we're going to have to have our CBS All Access and our Disney Channel and our Creative Cloud subscription, and you know, some of us still have. You know, I'm going to have the new Dropbox. And you didn't talk about Dropbox here in time. I'm surprised. Uh, new Dropbox subscri- subscription for ten dollars a month or eleven dollars, eleven ninety nine if you don't 
don't pay for the full year. Right? You posted that thing in, in our Slack. Why, why didn't you mention it? I may. Oh, yeah. Let me grab the news. <laughs> what was the... <laughs> Photoshop, Photoshop is, is a better value than it was before, you know. It's going to take him a minute to find it, so I'll just tell you what it is. Yeah, you basically, you, you it, with, the, with the basic paid pro version of, of uh, Dropbox, you got a terabyte of storage. Now you're getting two terabytes of storage for $10 a month if you buy, if you pay for a full year, or uh, eleven ninety nine if you pay, if you want to buy month by month. Um, but yeah, so it's still, it, from a, from a how much space you get compared to Apple or to, to other services, I forget what the other one is, it's a bit more expensive. But, you know, Dropbox is pretty much just about everybody has a Dropbox account, right? So at least I think they do, right? No? Yeah, it's interesting. The article mentions that this is somewhat more expensive than competitors. I'm like, well, they mentioned iCloud, Apple iCloud, yeah. Google Drive, and Microsoft OneDrive. I'm like, and guarantee it's not more expensive than Apple iCloud. Yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. I guess OneDrive or Google Drive might, might be cheaper, but still not too bad. Not too bad. It's, it's, it's pretty good to have it be just doubly good in value. All right, right. It's a lot of TBs, the TIBs. So I'm looking here for the uh, keynote bingo card uh, for WWDC, which we talked about. Um, but So I found one from 2008, which is when Steve Jobs is around. So here's an, here's a couple of things. Like the Beatles will be mentioned on iTunes. Um, somebody will say the word boom. Um, an iTunes genius will appear on the on the stage. Uh, Mobile Me will be fixed. Apple TV will be mentioned. MacBook Air. MacBook Pro Air. <laughs> uh, no more hard drives. Uh, free Mobile Me for life. You know, uh, new cinema displays. Mark's all want those uh yeah so yeah you know this, this some of the some of the examples that would be on there right things that they would say right like i, I swear somebody's going to say boom i don't know if you guys have noticed that on in in apple keynotes and presentations and um one thing i've noticed in the last couple of years whenever somebody's doing something is like a, a numbered list they always hold their fingers up for the number of of uh fingers right you guys have not noticed that yeah i've, I've not mm -hmm. i'm disappointed i'm not finding any bingo cards here here's one from 2017 ios dark mode system wide mm. ios 11 announced well we know that's even <laughs> just scratch it out and put 13 yeah peer-to-peer yeah. -peer apple play apple pay we sort of have that now right don't you have cash in the in the u.s yeah you you do have wait you got next still not have it in canada no we still don't have apple cash in canada we don't have venmo either yeah we have to use paypal like animals and mind you we have indirect money you can send in indirect money it only costs a buck or so as long as your your uh, password isn't like what's my favorite beetle you'll be fine right true true <laughs> Anyway, I guess that's it for the week until WWDC. So, uh, hey, Hami, if people want to get in touch with you on the interwebs, where would they look? I'm on Twitter is at Dev with the Hair. And Mark, if people want to try and get in touch with you? Mark R at Smapsoft.com. All right. And as I said, usually my name is Timitra. Well, it usually is. It always is Timitra. D-I-M-M-I-T-R-A on the Twitter machine is where you'll find me. But I will be at WWDC next week. I'll be wandering around San Jose starting on Sunday. Um, probably be wearing a MTJC t-shirt. Come say hi. Get a pin from me if you can you can wrestle one away from me uh got some stickers as well so yeah we'll see you guys in san jose hopefully next week and until well until next time we'll say bye bye bye, bye. bye. If you want to find out more about the podcast or see the episode show notes, visit the More Than Just Code website at mtjc.fm. You can get in touch with us on the website or follow us on Twitter at mtjc underscore podcast. If you have feedback or questions, send us a tweet with the hashtag AskMTJC. If you like the show, please consider recommending us to a friend, writing a review on iTunes, or pledging any amount at patreon.com slash mtjc. 
You can find details on how to help us out on our website at mtjc.fm slash sponsor us. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Which app are you talking about? I don't know. Nemrata was talking to her just before the show, and she said she was asking me about if I'm like going to AltComp or if I'm having a meetup and all that kind of stuff, and what the gist would be like. Uh, was it like when we were having a meetup? And he said, she said, "Have you put? Are you putting it in Coffee App?" I'm like, "What the hell is that?" I thought I thought it was a typo. So maybe it's an Android thing. She might be. An, I think she, she might be on Android. Well, the other thing is there is that Coffee Meetup. I don't know if there's an app, but there's like a Coffee mm-hmm. Meetup in yeah. that area that Greg does, right? Right. Yes, yes, that's true. That's is true. That what they're talking about? Maybe I don't know. I don't know. Oh, and I forgot there was or used to be the party app that was done by. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's a few of them. And, um, yeah, uh, your Beacon. Yeah, he's not got nothing in there. I put a I put up our our thing in Beacon, but I don't know if anybody's even looking at it this year. There's a bunch. There's 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 the parties app, which is on iTunes or App, app Store. And let's see, mm-hmm. my conferences folder. Yeah, there's one called Parties. There's another one called Comp Friends, which used to be called W. WDC Friends, and then there's Dub Dub Plus. Oh, is WWDC Friends the one from Felix Krauss? Um, maybe. I, th- I think it's been renamed, right? So yeah, maybe. I never downloaded it because I haven't gone to WWDC ever since that existed. So. Right. Yeah. I used to. I used to have one before, but this is a different one. Oh wait, what's going on? There's not many things listed here now. It seems like um. So this one's got like uh, it got show us your pro- your side project, walk to fries, worldwide Costco tour, which is one you you mentioned earlier. Yeah, that's on my WWDC. Pre-keynote coffee, night of night of dumb dim sum, ladies at WWDC, night of dim sum, and then Fiesta Kit 2019. That's on the seventh Friday. Then the other apps I've got, I've got this one called Dub Dub Plus. So on Saturday they're doing Core Sushi. Um, on the second of June they're doing the scholarship kickoff, right? and then SJ Mac Indie. That's coming up on Sunday as well at 8 p.m. Right? Then there's a bunch of Dub Dub Runs. There's the keynote, of course, Platform City Union and Apple Design Awards. Right. Accidental Tech Podcast is on Monday. That's completely sold out we've been a waiting list no oh, you get to see the platform state of the union at a, like a decent time for you huh yeah yeah <laughs> well i always get to i get to see it at a decent I, i'll be exhausted by then because we'll be lining up right actually no tech podcast completely sold out really weird at night of dim sum again the loop bash is on monday night at 11 oh wait that, no that monday oh monday i have a ticket for that another dub dub run on the morning of the fourth uh, women at wwdc breakfast breakfast burritos with embrace accessibility get together microblog meetup oh two Tuesday's getting busy. Accessibility get it get together. That's when I was thinking about doing something for our fans on Tuesday. 10 p.m. is the talk show with John Gruber, but the tickets are not on sale yet. Let's have a look. No, nothing, nothing available there yet. That one. And then Vapor WWDC meetup. Wednesday has the official WWDC run with Joan Benoit Samuelson, whoever that is. Uh, dub Dub Climb, another Dub Dub Run. A black group, Black at WWDC. 
breakfast breakfast burritos with embrace by the way if, if anybody's listening to this pit right now the breakfast burritos with embrace are giving away free burritos and uh you have to get a ticket on uh i think eventbrite but they're free right and they're gonna be in you know before the before the, the event or the, before the day but um the thing is apparently two years ago i think it was body build was giving away free burritos they got bought by apple and last year whoever was giving away free burritos also got acquired by apple so we don't know who embraces and whether or not they're going to get acquired by apple but all signs point to yes yeah, maybe we should buy some free burritos for people <laughs> <laughs> this is a trend here right we can be- become the apple podcast yeah um ibm call for code workday shop and the lunchtime on wednesday well if you're going to wwc you're not going to that because you'll be at the lunchtime talks right a wellness get together another wellness get together and swift over coffee live at 8 30 no sorry this sorry if i said any times you got to add three hours because this is this is showing me my regional times right so at 5 30 on wednesday is swift over coffee that's with um uh, sean allen and uh paul paul hudson paul hudson yeah yeah the connected uh by connected podcast by relay fm is at at uh 9 p.m that would be how would that be nine minus three is six p.m okay sorry math is hard uh ibm call for code james dempsey and the breakpoints and guess who will be playing a couple of songs with james dempsey and the gate breakpoints first two guesses don't count um another dub dub climb dub dub run Lanit len latin oh latin latinx at wwc breakfast it's on thursday education get together education get together ladies at wwdc dinner at, at 5 p.m on thursday but of course the bash is at, at um i guess it's 7 p.m um that's the, the big bash we don't know who the band is going to be this year nobody everybody's guessing um, and then another night of dim sum i guess if you don't want to go to the bash you can go to night of dim sum then friday starts the tri swift conference i think it's a one-day conference right app design get together have you guys looked at the schedule at all for wwc or you just you, you don't care so you're not going you're not going you don't care I looked at it and it was just all the fake names. So there's no, yeah, but yeah. And it's funny because they've got they. I, I don't know all the years that I ever went, they never had any events on Friday past, you know, noon, but like the labs would be open. But uh, this year they seem to have um, even, I guess it's just fake schedules, but they seem to have sessions right up till Friday at 5 PM. Mm. If I had known that I would have stayed till Saturday, probably the repeats, I would guess. Yeah. Or the, yeah, the overflows, right. Or whatever. Yeah. They seem to be going, of course, I wish these things would, these apps would not show them in like um relative times i guess well i guess i'll do that because you may be watching on on the apple tv instead of going to the event right yeah because according to this uh friday doesn't start oh wait a minute friday starts at 12 so that's um 9 a.m right for me the 12 p.m here would be 9 a.m for you guys so if the last event is at 7 20 p.m or 8 20 p.m that would be 5 right yeah i see a 5 20 single session at 5 20 p.m on friday yeah there are some real names in 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 the thing but yeah for most of them like designing for privacy that could be a legit one right yeah a few of them have real names they're designing for optimized metal what's new in coco touch i haven't even looked it's probably yeah, a, a yeah, real name because they have that session every year of a recap of what's, what's yeah. new. actually one of our one of our founders of tackle this this afternoon on twitter he said uh, we were talking about i guess people were talking on the, on the slack about um uh about you know how app kit you know or, or basically if uh, um marzipan you know comes to comes to mac os he said he said pour out some cocoa for app kit <laughs> get it mm. no i get it <laughs> You know but when you pour whiskey it. on a guy's grave, you know, pour out some cocoa. But, but cocoa no. is app kit. I know that's just, that's why it's funny. You know, powdered cocoa. Get it? No. All right, never mind. You pour out the cocoa and then you don't touch it. If you have to explain a joke, it's not funny, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a weak joke, or it was the delivery. Who knows? Let's blame the delivery. We got nothing better to do. Let's see. Uh, Ruins almost just scored. Oh, who are they playing? Oh, St. Louis. St. Louis. Right? Yeah. Do you know? Do you, I don't know if you remember this or not, but I say I was a Bruins fan in 1970, right? And yeah, yeah. I remember you told me that. Yeah. My dad's sugar 
were in. Yeah, because of Bobby Orr, right? Hello. And, uh, and they were and playing St. The, Louis. Because the Leafs were so awesome, right? Yeah, well, I, I didn't know who the Leafs <laughs> were back then. I was some, I, I had just moved to Ontario from Montreal, so I was still sort of a Habs fan, right? Oh. But, um, that, then it's surprising but, that you were a Bruins fan, because that's... Well, no, yeah, I mean, well, see, this is the thing, is like, like you know, when you're a kid, you you go with your dad's team, and my dad was a huge Habs fan. Right. You know, we moved to Montreal at first, right? And then he's always been, he was he died a Habs fan, you know? Um, Remind me again why but, the Canadians are called Habs? Habitat. It's French for home or something like that. Oh, okay. Don't at me, you people. Don't stop yelling at your phone. But they're they're called La Habitat. Uh, let me just, let's look it up. Let's do some real-time follow-up. That's why they call them the Habs. French-Canadian settlers, inhabitants of French origin who farmed the land along two shores of Lake St. Lawrence River and the Gulf in what is present-day province of Quebec. So they were habitants before, hmm. or habitants, as you might spell it phonetically. Right? So they were called the Habs hmm. because of that. So by the way, there's four minutes left in the third period, tied two to two. So I was going to say, well, is, yeah, so what what game is this in the series? Game two. Game two. So, yeah, coming back to the Bobby Orr era of, um, of um, the, the, I was living in Niagara Falls at the time, and uh, actually one of Derek Sanderson's um, nef- niece or nephew was going to school with us at the time, so that's another reason why. So all of my friends were into it. So you know when you get to like a certain age, I was 10 at the time, and um, you know, you, you realize, oh, wait, I can have my own team, you know? And they used to show um, games at like 2 in the afternoon on, on um, NBC, I think, actually. And yeah, I think that was, it was an afternoon game when, when he scored the goal, if I'm not mistaken, right? Hmm. But, you know, the See, goal... I, I grew know. up outside of Boston, so, quote, having my own team what, just wasn't an option. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, 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 yeah. You get the whole, you think you're better than us. Well, I mean, yeah. it's it's such a, <laughs> it's, it, it's such a uh, sports town that, yeah, you know, true. It's, true. you're so immersed in the... In the well, I mean, I was, I thought it was cool, because, you know, Bobby Orr was from, he played in Perry Sound, and he was from, where's he from originally? Peterborough, maybe? Oh, oh they almost just scored again. Oh, see, I, see, I have almost, sorry, Tim, but I don't, I have almost zero interest in hockey. <laughs> but, really? Yeah. But it's exciting to watch when the Bruins are in the Stanley Cup. I have to in the Stanley Cup. Well, yeah, I was going to say, cause, but they were playing in St. Louis, which is which is really kind of interesting. Uh, they won the Cup a couple of years ago, though, didn't they? A few years ago, yeah. Yeah. I always joke when the Leafs or the Raptors are doing well, I'm, I'm, I'm going to Home Depot to get some lumber, you know, for the lumber, for the bandwagon. Mm, yeah. You know, um, yeah, I have, to, gonna... I have to admit, for, for the Bruins, I'm kind of a bandwagon fan. Yeah. Certainly not yeah. for the... I am for the Leafs, too. Certainly not for the, the Red Sox or the Patriots, of course. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing. So so we kind of, it kind of, it kind of um, bolsters our confidence here in Toronto. If the Bruins win the cup, then, you know, we lost to the, the best team in the, the series sure. this year, right? Yeah. So, so, yeah, maybe the Leafs could have gone because everybody thought the Leafs were going to be, be a contender this year, right? Yeah, yeah. But they ended up playing up against the Bruins. What are you going to say, right? You know, the tough, it's a tough cup to win, but still. It is. I was sort of looking forward to a Bruins against the uh, the Sharks. Yeah. Oh, why? Because then you might be able to see a game, right? Well, no, I wouldn't have. I wouldn't have gone to a game, but but it still would have just been cool to have the have the uh, you know the excitement around here of, of the local right. team going, and then it's and then it's my hometown team are playing. The right. Game. Oh, true. Yeah. yeah. So that was a question somebody asked me the other day. Where do the where do the where do the Sharks actually play in San Jose or at the Shark the Tech? Outskirts? And where is that like in relative? Uh, to... So okay, it's officially known as the SAP Center, uh, and it's in downtown San Jose, within walking distance of the of the McHenry. Um, oh, really? Okay. Yeah, yeah. Because yeah, like you know, the Ottawa Ottawa Senators play. They play in Napanee, which is sort of outside. It's like a suburb of Ottawa, or it's kind of outside of Ottawa. So you have to drive like quite a way to get there. Mm-hmm. Whereas like you know, <clears throat> the Leafs play it at the uh, at it's now called the Sony Center. It's hard to say. Hard to say that. Or no, Scotiabank Center. Sorry, Scotiabank Arena. And because um, it used to be the Air Canada Center. 
right? So mm-hmm. things, things, nothing stays the same. But yeah, and that, that you know, that's right downtown. That's our old post post uh, office was turned into the arena. So mm-hmm. and the San Francisco 49ers football team uh, mm-hmm. now play in Santa Clara, which is which is maybe five miles away from downtown San Jose, and, oh, really? and wow. fifty miles away, roughly, from San Francisco. Actually, mm-hmm. interestingly so enough, that's, sorry, that's the 49ers that play there. The 49ers, yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Does San Jose San Jose doesn't have their own team? A pro football team? No, no. no. Okay. All right. Oh, what happened there? Was that was that a goal? Oh, so can we get back to the podcast? Oh, look at that! Wow. <laughs> I watched the Raptors game the other day. It was the first first actual basketball game I watched most mostly all of. Other than the one I went to, I went to the the home opener this year. So hmm. yeah, but uh, watch that that uh, infamous game now. So can or Toronto, Canada? Sorry, Canada's all pumped up over the Raptors. I never mind Toronto. Like the whole country's hmm. getting behind the Raptors. So we have to wear red tomorrow. Oh, it's fifty seconds left. Almost. Uh... Should we should we wait? Can the podcast wait for your fifty seconds? Well, it sounds it's, like it's intense. No, it's going to go into overtime. So oh no. God help us all, Tim. I'm surprised you're not you're not uh, all over this. It's the Stanley right, Cup. hockey. Yeah, I know it's a Stanley Cup, but it's not the Leafs. Hockey season's over. That's my favorite. As soon as the Leafs get eliminated, hockey season's over. All right, I understand. I'm, it. I'm actually not that interested in hockey. So, all right. Well, let's 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 put on. But it is show, the week before we? WWC, so there's that's not true. a lot. It's kind of a slow news week, right? Yeah. Oh well, we got some news. We got some news. Yeah. Yeah. By the way, I was just watching the. Uh, I just got the Apollo Eleven um, Blu-ray just came in, so I was wa- I, you know, with a digital download. So I got it from uh, Apple from the App Store. Hmm. So I was wa- I watched that before, and they say Mark all the time in that in that you know when they're talking about uh, talking about me. <laughs> yeah, Mark. They were channeling you. They were talking about yeah. you before you were born. Or you were you born when you landed on the moon? I was born. I remember. I was born. You were. Okay. Yeah. Right. Right. Not much were, more than that, you? but it was it was sixty nine, right? Yeah, July. Yeah. Yeah. So I was about a year old. Yeah. You were probably playing on, in your crib while your parents watched the. the yeah, launching all that stuff. Jaime was a gleam in his, not even a gleam in his father's eye at that point. Nope. nope. <laughs> if if you think dad. about it, he didn't even exist. So, was your dad did, born yet? Yeah, I hope. Yeah, so. my dad definitely. <laughs> my dad was definitely born. Uh, they'd be like twenty. Your dad would have been 20? 20, 21 probably. Oh wow. No, no, no. Yeah. Seventy. I, I did my math wrong. No, uh, it'd be like uh, like twelve ish. So like not even high school yet. Mm. Mm. A little bit older than me, I guess. All right. Wait a minute, I feel old. It doesn't really make me feel old. That's a strange thing. Alrighty, so um, yeah, two forty nine. It's funny that two fifty. Well, wasn't up on the fifties around WWC. Weird, eh? Oh, before we get into this, before so next week, I don't know. If, I think I'm going to be all over the place next week, right? So um, I think what I might do is just sort of do a man on the street kind of coverage of WWC. I'm probably going to go and see about signing up for the podcast list. Hopefully, I'll probably have to get in there quick to get that right. So I don't know what what if I get some time in in the thing, I might grab somebody that's you know that's around and just have a discussion about WWC, right? Yeah, and um, I would say uh, before you even physically go and check, I think you can queue up for the labs virtually now. So yeah, so is the app. So the I app don't know if that applies ready? for podcasting, but you might want to might want to check while you're walking. Well, anyway. I'm in the I'm in the app now. So where do I go for that? I wonder. Can you queue now? Venue. <laughs> Are there people pre queued? I have. Uh, well, I did hear about people queuing, right? So I just heard that the, you could, but I've not looked yeah. to see if if you actually could heard, do it yeah, now I, or I if it's just like oh yeah, too, there's a queuing option or, or a mention of queuing virtually. Yeah, I don't remember if I've seen that. Let me just see if there's an update. Maybe I'm missing. Yeah, you're right. Somebody, somebody tweeted about that a couple of days ago, right? Yeah, I didn't, I didn't, didn't write down the link. 
like my like my dance card sort of fill, filling up on at nights. I've, I've pretty much got tickets for most of the events that I could get tickets for, right? So, so I can pick and choose, right? Yeah, have some fun. But I am I am playing with the breakpoints a couple, at least one or two songs. Um, I, yeah, we can call it a night. Go back to doing whatever the hell it was I was doing. I don't remember now. Hmm. Well, I'll talk to you guys later. All right, all right, Doug. Do you later. Bye. Bye. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com/style for free shipping and 365 day returns.